Podcast like a motherfucker. So welcome to Amazon Podcast, episode 57. Uh, got it on the first try. Yeah, this is a, a special episode because I'm here in Sweden with uh, Mr. Casimir the Swede himself. Yeah. And uh, today we're going to be talking about the new Dread Elves book. So on the show today, we have, of course, Casimir the Swede. Yeah. And we have uh, podcast uh, co-host regular, Sassial. Zing. And also joining us today, we have uh, two uh, special guests on the show. We from the playtesting team. We have uh, Fraz from oh, Team yes. Scotland, and we have uh, James from Team Ireland. Hey, thanks for having me on again. You're welcome. Oh, I remember. I was gonna say. I was when you introduced me. I was gonna say the assassin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then I said, "Zing! What a fucking loser!" Okay. Anyway. <laughs> No, you got to leave it in. Everyone needs to know how lame I am. <laughs> All right. So um, what we're going to do is we're just going to go through basically the full Dread Elf book review. Um, at the time of release, it should be dropped now. So you can follow along at home with the book. Um, so without no further ado... Actually, no. Without <laughs> with, some, with, with, some, some, with some further ado. Uh, we have some mail. So I'm going to read out the mail um, first. So this is from a guy called Brady Chapman. BC Happy 18 on the forum. He have, says, we, have we heard from him before? This is the first time. No, I think it's the first time. Okay. Um, it was sent at 7 in the morning. So I'm assuming <laughs> it probably wasn't someone in Europe. But let's see. So he says, hey, Amatam Gang, long time listener here. Just finished listening to the Autumn Assault episode. Finally felt like I needed to send you an email. I'm really enjoying Sassiel's contribution to the show. It's a great dynamic to have a new player on regularly who's learning the game and can offer his perspective. I'm a long-time player myself from 3rd edition Warhammer Fantasy Battle, he thinks. But one player who never played enough games with his friends circle to even get the tournaments... Oh, so even get the rules straight... I branched out to playing with the wider local community over the last couple of years to get some more games in and maybe try some tournaments. The scene here in my slice of Canada, so Canada, is pretty active and a good chunk of the ETC team is pretty local. So things like this episode were great to to listen to. So taking a novice player through a bunch of lists and talking about what makes them tick is pretty neat and has a ton of value for a listener like myself as well who may miss even some of the more basic synergies that go into a functional list. Keep the content coming between Casimir and Alex. All three of my armies are covered. Casimir's the only podcast host, I think, of that has played UD regularly, and it looks like all I need to do is keep tuning in for the Dwarves and Warriors goodies. Cheers. <laughs> yeah, see, people like the Dwarf content. <sighs> no, no. <laughs> Warriors and UD, fine. Yeah. Dwarves, no. <laughs> Little yeah, people need, probably gonna be need attention too. Now, yeah, <laughs> I mean, you're like, okay, so you're the head of the Kingdom Recruiting team as well, right? I'm the lab facilitator. Ah, okay. So you're like the HR for the group. Team. I'm like the project manager for the okay. lab for the book. 
So can you uh, tell me, can you explain to me what kind of lab that you facilitate? Like, are there beakers and <laughs> yeah, buttons and burners? Yeah. So what we do is we put like elves and dwarves into, into these like uh, Petri dishes yeah. and we like yeah, squirt acid on yeah. them and then see how they react to strength four hits. <laughs> and then, I mean, you mean that you mean toxicants? Well, well, toxic comes is like the second ah, test, okay, right? Okay. You need like a, one of the, what's it called? Like a, a, a variable, uh, yeah. variable test. Something, yeah, sure. I, I don't do experiments. You're a scientist, Casimir. I don't do experiments. <laughs> so, science. thanks, Brady, for the mail. Um, so, let's just talk a little bit about hobby while we're here. So, what have you guys been doing? Maybe, Alex, you want to start? Sure. I've been um, a little bit on, I've been a little bit, uh, I guess, what's the word? Sort of multi personalitying over here. Um, because I've been helping you out with some printing uh, that's taken up a fair bit of time for me. And uh, and I've also been printing a few things for some other mates. Um, like, let's see, I just finished making a clockwork dragon for our old buddy, old pal. Mr. Christopher Dirac. That's right, yeah. And um, my friend, uh, Michael Ogor, I made a green knight for. And now I'm just trying to figure out like what I need for my army without just printing a ton of crap that's just gonna <laughs> take up space in my closet because now that I have these glass cabinets, it's really embarrassing to just see a load of plastic. Yeah, dude, you, you gotta like, you gotta get the cabinets with the with the closed doors. That's the trick. Yeah, well. <laughs> need to hide them away. Or you just gotta stop shame. Yeah, we'll yeah, start painting. Yeah, you know, I thought that um, I thought that buying an airbrush was gonna like save me so much time because you know I was gonna like uh, have lots of uh, you know primer at the ready, you know, to do like my base coats and all that kind of stuff. And um, it turns out that it's actually kind of difficult because I don't have anywhere in the house to do it. Yeah. So. Uh, I, I have to wait for like. Uh, no, like I, I also have an airbrush, and I found this to be exactly the same thing. Because you, I mean, like it takes quite a big space to set it up, and I don't know if you you bought a filter as well or like a filter box, uh, Alex. But I, I, like I have a, I have a box which has like a you know some kind of suction in it as well, which you can fold up and put back. But then you need the whole process of like bringing it out, and the airbrush takes a bit to like clean because. Like if you use yeah, yeah. it and then you don't clean it properly, you have like paint that's stuck on the needle. So then everything just gets like uh, like clogged up and then you have to clean it next time you use it and stuff. So it, like the whole process takes a bit. Absolutely. Guys, you lost me an airbrush. Have, have, you, have, you been, have you finished anything or have you painted anything or have you built anything? I mean, I have. Been. I mean, so basically I, I printed some things. You printed me uh, a samurai guy. And a dragon. And a dragon. Let's <laughs> yeah, not talk about just a little guy. <laughs> and a, and, yeah, it's a, a this one tiny guy. It took him so much time. Uh, and uh, and Christopher's uh, dragon had these giant wings on them that took 22 hours to print. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, this is insane. Why didn't they? Why didn't the guy who made it like like split it into pieces? What the hell's going on here? Anyway. So it was a fun print, but uh, yeah, Aside that one's that, all done you, and delivered. Have you been working on anything, Alex? Um, no, uh, that's the thing. I've 
once I kind of, I've, I started a new job last month and, uh, and once I kind of get through that in the day and then get the kid in bed, I just kind of like space out and watch a bit of TV before going to sleep. Uh, so it's really been slowing me down lately. I'm feeling quite sad and embarrassed about it, to be honest. Um, you you got to get in that half hour a day just to, yeah. just to do something and just to keep it, yeah, it going. It makes like a huge difference. Yeah. So Hold just on like a second, Bryce. Henry's here telling you to take a half an hour a day while he's getting you to print random bullshit for him. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're basically, like, because you're the only guy with the 3D printer, you haven't gotten any hobby done for yourself, is your issue. It's part, it's part of the issue. The, t- the time I've spent doing hobby has been has been getting stuff on build plates for people and then cleaning yeah, them and so curing them. Really, you're the victim in all this, and Henry shouldn't be giving you shit and telling you how to <laughs> get hobby time. I mean, I mean, wait a second, yeah. I mean, I, I appreciate Sassiel's contribution to my massive pile of unpainted stuff. That that's that's not that's not been argued about. Um but you know, like from my experience of 3D printing, where I have I have been around to Alex's house and done the brushing myself, it's it's pretty much just like pressing a button and then when it comes out just like scrubbing it a little bit with a with a toothbrush. It's not like it's not like that time consuming. <laughs> ah, right. Jesus, talk about sounding ungrateful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. What a guy. Anyway, and I'll keep that in mind, Henry. Over to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I okay, Mark up in there. <laughs> so, how about you guys over in Ireland and Scotland? What have you been doing with the hobby? Um, so I was working on my Vermin Swarm army. I have a good bit of that painted and I decided I was going to strip all my beast herds that I had for like 10 years and fix them up. So I've stripped all those with Biostrip and then I played one game of Vampires on UV and bought a vampire army. (laughs) (laughs) What is the um, product you use to to strip the paint off of the... the Uh, Biostrip. I'll send you a picture after, it's really good. It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, just, you get it at hobby stores or at, at like uh no it's like for it it's for stripping paint but it's really soft or something it's oh, kind of like pda you can get it in denmark yeah, Alex. That's, it's like a different, get, different um, they have it on brand. amazon though yeah it's about eight pounds on amazon it's really yeah. good sweet okay. and, it, and you can do a plastic as well then like it doesn't melt it's for plastic yeah. and metal yeah okay and it's really soft so like you can leave them there for like three days and it's fine kind of brush them off and you just toothbrush. wash them off or what yeah 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 just hot soapy water and a toothbrush and it like falls off basically and that's really good yeah. great yeah it sounds awesome so yeah i don't know if it works for resin though so i don't know what to do how, how about you fraz have you been doing any hobby or have you, have um, you just been melting your dread elves no i've actually got a table set up with dread elves that i can't bring myself to paint at the moment because I don't know what I'm going to do with the army so yeah my, my table's got models on it I've just not sat at the table for a while fair enough you you were talking about um starting a new army yeah I might do I'm thinking of warriors I'm looking at warriors just now uh, having a mess about with a, a hell more list on UB so, that was fantastic yeah, yeah I, I just, the- just is it, still the, uh, is it still like the uh, Forsworn Death Star thing? That's the Helmol like, tactic? Yeah, that's the build, yeah. Okay. Nah, I've got um, just basically loads of greed, uh, like greed core boys, 
speak to unit chosen nights and then evocation. So if I get reroll to hit, I'll take like a great weapon, or if I get reroll to wound, I'll take like paired weapons or whatever. Oh. That's, I mean, that's a pretty good idea, actually. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. first I was like, why the fuck would you take greed and everything? But yeah, that makes sense, actually. So both of the buffs are as uh, as useful. And if you, yeah. and if you just uh, take like eighteen Feldrucks, then it's, it's fine. yeah, exactly. Like, or you <laughs> can yeah. just have three times <laughs> Yeah. Now everyone's playing Feldrucks, aren't they? They're definitely getting nerfed. Yeah, they're gone. I hope. <laughs> yeah, just like <laughs> back to being the most terrible unit. <laughs> 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 How about you, Kasmir? Have you been doing anything since you've been back in Sweden? Uh, yeah, I've been uh, painting uh, some war machines, I think. Like, the dwarves? Uh, okay, yeah, the um, so I've been... Uh... Uh, yeah, well, also, yeah I, I did that, and then I also I kind of, I got some um, Kingsguard from uh, from Russia, actually, which were pretty good. So like I, uh, Russian Alternative? Yeah, exactly. That's the company, Russian Alternative. It's very, like, extremely high-quality sculpts, and they're quite interesting because they have this kind of... Uh, you know uh, what's it called? Like the uh, not the not the Mongolian, but the kind of Eastern Russian uh, theme, like, like the, the like the the, the furry hats with the pointy. Thing. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. kind of uh, yeah, I don't know what what kind of, what that's called historically, but th- that kind of aesthetic. So so it's quite interesting. And like dwarves with long mustaches and shit. Oh, uh, I'm all about nice. the mustaches right now. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, I've been. Pull- I'll get I'll get to it in my part of the hobby. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. So it's, it's, I I haven't painted a lot. I painted like one of those dudes and. That's more machines, but it's been good. Yeah. Getting, getting, uh, getting yeah, work. like slowly, just yeah. like it's really nice. Like one of the, the best part of Corona is that you don't have, or I don't have, like uh, these deadlines that I have to paint to. Like before, I was, tournament. yeah, I was always like, oh, there's a tournament, <laughs> and I don't have time to paint a new army, so I'm gonna add like a unit to my UD, and I would just hate it every time, <laughs> but I would still do it. No, my deadline is like, shit, I need to add like a unit to my UB thing. Yeah, on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> guess so, that takes five minutes. <laughs> so now I'm just like, oh, I'd, I'd like to have this unit. I guess I'll just paint it. No, yeah. like it's, yeah, it's nice. Cool. I, I've been, uh, I've been fairly busy in the last few weeks. Like, I started this hobby channel on YouTube, so I've been, like, doing videos for that. If you want to check it out, it's HPM Hobby on YouTube, all yeah. one word. Um, also on Instagram and somewhat on Twitter, but not really. <laughs> um, so I, I've been putting some videos up on there and kind of just videoing what I've been doing. Uh, I had finished a commission last week. What did you... Uh, one of the Danish ETC guys is building a halfling army. Oh, cool. And he wanted some... Kestrel Knights, I guess he's using it for Sylvan Elves. And That's uh, interesting. So he has some halflings riding dragons. Okay. And so uh, he, he wanted the, like, the legs sculpting. So he yeah. had like the top the torsos yeah. of the halflings. So I, I, I was just basically building them for him and sculpting the legs. Okay, cool. So I finished that last week. Um, the lovely, amazing dragon that Alex printed for me is fantastic <laughs> and beautiful. And, <laughs> And I, I I couldn't ask any more of it. one of my friends, one of my one of my best best friends in the whole world, <laughs> and uh, it actually it actually turned out really well. And so basically, it's like this massive uh, dragon that fits on something like a, I guess it's like a, a hundred mil round base. Okay. So I needed to squeeze it onto like a fifty by a hundred. Yeah. So what I did is I cut it in half. Chopped it up and like stuck it back together again, like I normally do. Yeah, like a standard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, worked out a way that it fits on a, a 50 by 100, and then I've been green stuffing that. And also, because due to Movember these days, mm. it also gave it a very twirly mustache. <laughs> because um, 
the the original sculpt had like these long like spindly mustache thingies. Yeah, that's weird. Like, uh, which come out really far, and it one of them broke, I think, in the printing process, and the other one was like hanging to a thread. So I just pulled them off and I just sculpted new mustaches on them. So now the, the it's like an Asian themed samurai army. Hmm. So it's like an Asian themed dragon, and now it has like a little mustachio going yeah. on. It's good. Yeah. So I'm just gonna drop a little sass right here. Um, one of the things that just drives me completely nuts <laughs> about about these 3D printing groups, um, like if you go, doesn't matter if you're looking on my mini factory or you're a Patreon, Patreonic page patron or whatever that you call yourself um the people that are like modeling this stuff it's like they don't even think about how the the models are going to be used and they'll have all these details that are just like teeny weeny super thin segments of resin that either are incredibly fragile and can like fuck up in the printing or fuck up when you are like even if you're like cutting the supports off like one support at a time you can still snap it just from like the shock wave of the snip snipping through the fucking resin or when you're uh curing it or when you're handling it or when you're painting it or or god forbid it makes it all the way to the tabletop and then you're playing with it in a game and you brush it against something let alone transport it to a to a match or to a tournament like well, it's, it's, yeah, oh, it's totally crazy i don't get how these loonies like i feel like they should have you should have to have a license to be a to be like asking people for money on patreon that says like i'm not gonna f be a fucking jerk and give you super <laughs> fragile bullshit games workshop do this as well though i think like some of their stuff's pretty outrageous and you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. most of the new yeah. things are like they really gone for like oh it has to be super dynamic every mole has to have like a toe just, on like, the base yeah like one like, toe on a rock yeah and just, like, like fly oh. like a massive like yeah. flyer with huge wings it's like the, one toe connected yeah like the way you yeah. paint it it goes like boing like you put the <laughs> yeah, brush on it and like the whole thing just fucking moves <laughs> Like a friend of mine is painting this 40k army. It's um, the Mechanicus Adeptus Mechanicus or something like that. They're called, oh, yeah. and they have they have this one like uber character that just has like all of these Doctor Octopus tentacles, come, like Robo tentacles, coming off him, and they're all just like it's like a cloud of friggin' Robo tentacles. And I I looked at that. He showed it to me, and I was like that just looks like a nightmare like how are you going to get that to a game like there's like 15 of these things poking out like into like totally unsupported just twisting in the air and uh, he told me that when he went to go prime them out in on his balcony he dropped he had it in two pieces he dropped both pieces and they just bounced and were fine like the plastic yeah, the, i think the, i think one of the things they're probably they must be working on is like the flexion qualities of their plastic but like, because I just have a shitload of resin stuff, that's just a no go, right? Yeah, the the stuff that we get from China is a bit fragile. Let's say, like it's kind, of, it it's not quite like the three D printing resin, which is really, really hard but very brittle, and not yeah. quite flexible as much as the GW plastic or the standard plastic that you get from other companies. But it's somewhere in the middle, so it's like a little bit bendy. But if you put too much pressure on it, it does break. 
Yeah, I mean, I've had some of the stuff that I've painted, like just the longer pieces, just kind of snap. But yeah. I mean, luckily yeah. you can pin that stuff. Yeah, I had this. I had a centaur break at the ankle today, oh. just above the pin I put in it. Yeah, just oh, like oh happens. no, <laughs> and like when the pin is still like in yeah. there, so you yeah, can't yeah, get it yeah, out. Yeah. Oh, it's the worst. Yeah, but it was like I, pinned to yeah. the base, and it was just uh, just above the pin. It oh. broke. Like, oh. But yeah, I, I feel I feel like the 3D printing resin resin is even more fragile than if you get uh, molded resin from like some company that actually does the pour in mold kind of stuff. Like it's also pretty brittle, but it has a little bit more like flexion. So it's yeah, a little there's bit different more properties to it. Yeah, there's different properties to it. And 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 to be fair, there are some resins you can buy that also have different uh, sort of physical properties. The problem is that I'm kind of restricted. Um, like for out of safety concerns, having my kid in in the house and having this having a printer in the same house, that I don't want like the yeah. super toxic. Stuff. <laughs> I like the price to pay for your hobby. You're like, oh, my kid like just got fucked up. Like, he, he's gonna have breathing problems the rest of his life. But I got some cool malls. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I printed so, I mean, a nice that's... dragon. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, like, there are, I have heard of some that are that have a little bit more flexion to them and stuff, but um, they're kind of a no go because you need like super strong spirits to clean them with, and yeah. uh, you know they're they apparently they're like much more irritable, skin irritable, and like a bunch of other things. Where I'm just like, well, I'm just gonna stick with the water washable resin. Thanks, you know. Yeah, you're better off, especially when Henry's just gonna moan about the quality of the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Don't risk your life. Yeah. So uh, exactly. aside from the dragon that Alex lovingly printed for me, um, I, I also finished my my ten ninjas, which are going to be my black cloaks for the dread elves army. Um, I've also today I started building a second unit of legionaries. I finished my repeater auxiliaries, which are like samurai archer guys. I've done a few characters. I've been building some. I built a beastmaster on right. foot from a. Uh, there's a company that I don't know what they're called, but they make, it's called Test of Honor. It's like a game that makes samurai miniatures, okay. and they're really cool characters. They have like a lot. They have just released a new range, and there's some really nice ones. Um, I also built a warlord of Erewhon, uh, like a priest guy. Like it's going to be a character for my Dread Elves army. What else I doing? I built some. I just uh, I just finished sculpting saddles on my Raptor Knights or what? Oh, yeah. Dread Dread Knights today. Yeah, they look really good. Yeah. So I'm so I'm. I wanted. I was thinking. Okay. I I got these like from Warlord Games, the samurai models. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, the guys and horses, they can be the the the. I think they're called Shadow Riders these days. Uh, they can be the Shadow Riders, but I would like, I think with the Raptor, the guys riding Raptors, the Dread Knights, I should probably have an actual Raptor. I was like, okay, like, I was thinking maybe I'm going to get Sassiel to print me some of those, like, fancy Raptors. Yeah. I was like, you know what? The best Raptors I've ever seen are, like, the old fat Raptors from Games Workshop. Yeah. So uh, I got Casmid, he dig in this bit box, and I've, like, sourced the internet for <laughs> all my friends who have had, like, old school Dread Elf armies. And I've like accumulated quite a few raptors now. Yeah. So I've got enough raptors to build a couple of units of raptor riding guys. So I've I've used like the old Games Workshop raptors from like sixth edition, like the fat ones. Yeah. And put like the samurai um the samurai guys on top. But the, because of the way that they're supposed to be on the horses, there's obviously like a big gap 
like where they're supposed to be sitting on the saddle. So today I sculpted saddles out of Milliput for all of them. Mm. I, I did five, <laughs> but <laughs> big, big <old>. <laughs> <laughs> but so uh, I think I think maybe I only need ten or, or fifteen, so it's not yeah. gonna be like a big deal. No. So uh, I've been sculpting them. What else have I been doing? Um, I've been like slowly chugging away at this dragon some characters i have i have a a gorgon sat on my painting table okay and i don't know what color to paint it i'm thinking so green it, like is it uh like what's the model is it like it's, a female so on the it, snake kind it's of thing, a or? yeah it's like a it's actually a samurai gorgon which Ooh. i found from it's like a game called bushido oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah and nice. they make like metal models actually pretty good if you're into yeah. like samurai or you want japanese themed like army then it's a really good resource. I got my warlock from there as well, and also another character that I'll use for uh, Dread Prince. Um, but the, yeah, it was like a like a, a Medusa samurai thing with like a halberd, which is exactly what I wanted. Yeah, yeah. So so it's basically like a samurai top with a snake. Okay, so body. I think I think you you can go like two interesting directions with a gorgon, like. If you want to be really fancy, you can try to get some of the like like weird reflexive paint and paint the skins and uh, like some kind of stuff like that. Too much. And otherwise, I would uh, like you can always pattern it in a like an interesting. Yeah. Way. So so it was more like what's the what's the color of all the lizards in my army going to be? Oh, okay. So I think I think I'm gonna go for like a greeny type yeah. of thing because all most of my my army is like orange and blue. With black and white, yeah. So that's kind of like so green would really complement. So green would complement it, but I've been like looking through like pictures of like dinosaurs and stuff on the internet, trying to find like a color for my yeah. raptors, and 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 I haven't really found one yet. So okay, but I think some kind of green is what I'm gonna go. I for. think you should also with like actually a, look at a, like a like a creamy yeah. stomachy thing. I think you should actually look at people painting models as well because yeah, a lot of times. I mean, especially if you want something that sticks out, a lot of times, like, nature is pretty muted, right? Especially when it comes to animals. Yeah. Like, I mean, not always, of course, but in, in general. But, like, a lot of times if you look at people, like, painters who have done, like, lizards and stuff yeah. like that, and, like, they go, like, really bright greens or something, it can look really cool. Yeah. So, uh, right now I'm thinking, like, a like a creamy bone kind of color on the stomach. Yeah. And then on the back it's going to be like green, and then maybe some like stri- like darker green brownie stripes. Yeah, exactly. Like that's, I mean, stripes are one of those things. They, I, it's easy, right? But yeah. it looks cool. Does yeah. they have scales? This model. The the the, the gorgon. Yeah, it has like scales on the back and like um like section like ribbed sections in the stomach. And I mean, are you planning on doing that dragon like uh, just a green as well? I haven't decided, but maybe. I mean, the dragon like, could be something else. I, I guess, think the dragon is probably going to be like because it's Asian-y themed, so maybe yeah. red or orange. I mean, the way I look at it is like a gorgon and a dragon are mythical creatures, so like there's no there's no reason to ground them in reality, right? Like just do something that looks friggin' cool is the way that I would is the way that I would approach it. Just what do you think is gonna really pop when you put them on the table? Because they're also they both are also solo base creatures, right? Like they you can't. Well, the, the gorgon can be in units, as, yeah, okay. as you will see later on. In the so race. many spoilers. Uh, <laughs> more like a it's more like a a, a little look ahead. Um, a, but yeah, I don't know. I think they're. The I just kind of think like they have the like they're a mythical creature. You know, Japanese fantasy would be somewhere that I would like take some 
take yeah. some notes from. Like I wouldn't just uh yeah, and, and like like what Casimir said, like looking at how some other maybe how some other mini painters have been painting stuff, because you can see some people that are like doing competition paints are obviously going with some really interesting color combinations. So Yeah, exactly. And, and like a lot of times of course you don't have to like push the the level of like technique uh, like technicality of the paint job to that level but a lot of times they do a lot of, like really good color choices yeah. right where you know they do things that i don't normally think about where you have like a, a main color but then you have a shadow that's colored for example mm. and it's like one of those things that when you try it you're like wow this just looks really good but you wouldn't do it yourself because when you paint yourself you're just like oh brown shadows all the shadows <laughs> are brown and black you know <laughs> okay yeah, so I think something like green is going to be what, mm. what I choose, but I just haven't got around to it yet. But I think as we'll get onto, like the Gorgon is really, really good choice. Yeah. So I really want to get them into my army. I have another couple maybe planned to, to order. Mm. And to, today I also ordered some more uh, samurai stuff from Warlord Games because I need some more samurai. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have too many. Can't have too many. <laughs> so uh, I think that's about it for the hobby section. Um, maybe we're gonna just answer some basic yeah. questions about the process of the Dreadhouse book to start with. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, we're gonna spend a lot of time talking about the book. So just yeah. like as a as a prepper to go into that, maybe you could like, because Henry, you're currently like involved in a lot of the lo like LAB process. Legendary yeah. Army books. So yeah, but when so, when we say lab, we mean legendary yeah. army book. That's mainly the first thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but maybe you could explain, because you're on the Dreadhouse team, yeah, and you're also correct. somehow responsible for the King of Equitain team. Yeah, as, as I said, so my current role on the Ninth Age project, I'm on the advisory board, and I, I recently quit my Night Scroll responsibilities. Yeah. So, like, basically, but then, but, we're but not going to get to the Night Scroll now. Well, <laughs> but then, then I lost my job, so now I've got loads of time, which is kind of bad timing, but, like, uh, this is one less thing I need to worry about every month, which is great. Well, the right. first full-time Night Age, the guy. Yeah, like, right now, literally. Donate, donate now. <laughs> Pay your salary. Yeah, so um, I'm, on the, I'm on the advisory board, and I'm also um, working with the background team. So I, I started working on the Dreadhouse book uh, about halfway through the process, um, because the background guys were a bit absent and since then I've been working more with the design team and as a like a full lab member I've been working as part of the design team on the Dreadhouse book so I'm, I'm in a pretty good place to be able to talk about the book and and why we made certain decisions and why the rules are how they are yeah and and as Casimir said I'm also going to be working with the KOE uh, the Kingdom of Equitain book not as a designer but as a project manager making sure that everything is running smoothly and hopefully on time yeah i'm not going to make any claims right now but <laughs> but it hopefully it will be running schedule and i'll be able to manage it to make it to like ensure that it's comes out yeah, as soon smoothly, as possible yeah yeah because yeah, i think currently for the project what what it really needs is is the schedule of release yeah. to be more yeah. consistent so so that's something that the project in general is going to be moving like the ninth age in general yeah is going to be having people like me who mm -hmm. are in charge of making sure it's like that, whipping people yeah <laughs> we need to have this now come yeah. on <laughs> yeah, yeah so i think that's really good and and i can say now that the vs book is going to go into playtesting very soon oh awesome so so like a lot's happening with the project yeah. and it's moving faster and faster and faster as we learn as we learn how yeah how to, to of, do a project yeah yeah <laughs> and it takes yeah. time and it gets to get getting the people in the right place yeah so, yeah. 
So, so like being inside of the lab team, uh, what kind of roles would you say that there are, or is there like a leader who is has like a vision for the book, or like how does it work? Yeah, so there's a few different ways because the Dreadolf book was actually a bit more of like um, it was it was in the middle of where the ID book and the Dreadolf book and the Kingdom of Ecclesing book are kind of like the three books that are ongoing at the moment. Oh, sorry, the uh, VS book. Yeah. So the Dreadolf book was kind of like a very much of a learning process from the travesty that was the ID book. Yeah, like do you do you can you so give us I, any insight like, to I, what went wrong? I, I I don't I don't really I don't follow so much about the, what happened with the ID book, but I know there was a lot of personalities and there was a lot of clashes with the design yeah. process. They didn't have I, a good project leader like you. Yeah, so so this is something that was learned from that book, and then with the Dreadolf book, we had like a lead designer who mm. was responsible for kind of driving the project along but also as a designer yeah okay so he was part of the design team and also a project leader yeah and now with the kingdom of equitain book we've kind of learned from that i don't know about the vs book that was kind of after the dreadoff book but now with the yeah. kingdom of equitain book we have me who's like a project manager for the whole thing yeah and then under me a lead designer yeah, so, so you kind of separate the yeah. separation of powers. Yeah, so exactly. So so with the Dreadoff book, we had a lead designer and then a, a, a large design team underneath. Mm. And then with the Kingdom of Equitain book, we have me who's a project manager, then a lead designer, and then a smaller design team underneath. Okay. So it's a little bit different and we're kind of like learning from yeah. our mistakes and our experiences. Okay, so one another question I think is... Uh, I mean, from the early stages of the project, before the lab process really started, like the rules team was often seen by the community, I think, as kind of a, like a boogeyman who would like come in and decide things and have too much control and too, you know, too much to say. Yeah. So nowadays, how much power would you say that they have in the process? Or like, what's um, the role? So I'd say it's kind of somewhere in the middle. Like we, what we do in the in the lab team right now is is. We, we designed the whole book and with the help of playtesting team with James and Fraz included, we, we made all we, we made the book and then when we're kind of happy with it, we sent it to rules team to review and then rules team will come back with feedback yeah and then we will change the book or change the some of the entries based on their feedback and try and like make them happy at least because they're kind of the, <laughs> they're kind of the guys who need to approve the book in the end. Well, yeah, okay. and and also at the start of the process, like with the Kingdom of Equitain right now, the rules team is currently writing the guidelines. So they will come up with the guidelines based on the background. Okay. From the background team, they will come up with the guidelines. The guidelines will then go to the community and yeah. the task team to review it. Go back to rules team. They will decide on from the feedback if they need to change anything. Mm. And then those guidelines will go to the task team who are making the book, the lab team. Yeah. And then that design process will begin. Okay. So the rules Can team. Can I ask something there? Yeah, of course. You and you said there the background and the guidelines. Which comes first, or is it kind of like the back? The background. Designed together, the background comes first, and then the guidelines are made based on the background. Because I mean, because there's a lot of background that we yeah. don't see, right? Like that's yeah. Or yeah. Okay. And th this is also something that I would like to change with the yeah. new Kingdom of Equitain book. Um, first up, we're we're going to release the background supplement instead of alongside the release. We're going to release it a lot sooner in the in the design okay. process. That's good, I think. Yeah, and uh, I also hope that we can do a lot more background related things throughout the design process. Okay. 
So release more more excerpts, more ideas, yeah. more concept kind of things once the, the book is like on underway. Hmm. We kind of done that with DE, didn't you? With like the Michael J. Kelgarfi, the Hydra and stuff. Yeah, like that. exactly. Like yeah. I, I actually wrote the Hydra piece. Um, I thought. I was going to say I thought it was pretty cool, but no, no, no. Yeah, so I, I was actually responsible for a lot of the background pieces that were part of the release, mostly because the guys who were background responsible were maybe a little bit busy on other things. Okay. So, hey, um, you sorry? Were you responsible for the Dread Judges saying, I am the law? No, that, <laughs> that, that, one, that one was not me. <laughs> I cannot, I cannot yeah. make claim to that one. <laughs> oh, man, that's great. I was about to abuse you so bad if that was. I, I, give, you, I give you two guesses off air who that was. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, before we go through the book later, can we ask you first, did you design everything? And then we'll give her opinions. Um, so that like we know whether you were responsible or not first, you, so you can't claim like oh yeah that's you can ask, like, oh, you yeah, can ask me that. which were my ideas as we go and then yeah. uh, maybe yeah. I'll tell you maybe and, I won't based on your feedback yeah. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> we want to know first you can't just claim all the good bits so. I'll, I'll be honest <laughs> but well, you mostly, know what I'm mostly say it's like a team effort to be honest so <laughs> yeah. everything, everything kind of goes through the whole team and if everyone whether everyone agrees with it or the majority agrees with it. It is a team effort across the yeah, board. Yeah. So, so do you when when you have like a design before you kind of finalize it? Is it then like everybody has to agree, or do you sometimes vote, or like? It uh, it really depends on on each individual thing. So the way it works is there's a concept phase. Yeah. So um, the like right now the kingdom of Equitain we're in the guidelines phase. Yeah. So as soon as we get the guidelines, we're going to move to concept phase. So each unit will have a concept. And the the design, the task team will discuss about the concept, like what how they want it to work, what they want to achieve. Like nothing about rules. It's more about kind of okay, let's look at the background, let's look at the guidelines. How do these relate to this unit that we want to kind of yeah. make make into a like a on the table unit? How can we actually? What's the what's the like the the essence of this unit basically? That's the concept phase, and then. Then when you hit like the design phase, then you kind of go more into like the details. Okay, should this be a core unit? Should this be a special unit? Yeah. Should this have offensive skill five? Should this have <laughs> like AP five? What whatever, right? Ooh. A lot of AP. <laughs> yeah, whatever, right? So so that's kind of that's that's the next phase. So and then and then throughout the whole time, every, everyone is is bouncing ideas off each other. I think if there's a, usually if there's a disagreement in the team, then Especially if there's two kind of camps, like let's say half the people want one thing, half the people want the other thing, then whoever's the lead designer will make a decision, yeah, okay. and then that design will go to playtesting, and then the playtesting team will give feedback, and maybe if they think that something is wrong on this one, maybe maybe we'll try, try the other one, mm. and then they'll give feedback on that, and then we'll come back, revisit it, and then make either a middle ground or go with whatever was the best one. Yeah. So playtesting team actually have quite a big role in the whole design process as well. I don't know if you guys thought that, James and Fraz. Um, yeah, I felt like this, definitely the Dread Elf team were like eager to get the feedback and to um, respond to it. And like anytime you posted anything, you'd get like two or three team members at least like reply to it, ask you like, why do you think this is good? Or why do you think this is crap? And like, 
they'd discuss it, they'd come back to you, and then like I felt like it, the playtesting this time around really did have a big impact on. Yeah, I I, I definitely feel like I definitely feel like that as well. Like I was always talking to you and Fraz also in private message, like, okay, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Like getting more feedback. And and yeah. I, I feel like the playtesting team obviously had like quite a big influence on how we how we did things. Like one one thing in particular was the Silent Hunter Assassin. Um, there was one point where someone was like, "Like you, you guys need to limit this to like a zero to two choice because I've just had a game where I had like five <laughs> of these and it was just like too much." <laughs> and, and like kind of things like that was just yeah. like these were really like things that when you're designing it you don't think about yeah. it, but then when it's people try and break it then it, it really you really need that feedback to come back to you yeah yeah i mean as well like there's times where you're told like i oh, know you can't like we'll come back and say oh why doesn't the like say shooting weapon have 10 shots or whatever and then they'll <laughs> come back and say like no like rules team won't let it or that's just not allowed or like this yeah. goes against guidelines and we can't do it because of that like and then there's a bit of back and forth where playtesting probably moan at you more than you'd want yeah. Where we're like, oh, but it's stupid. But like in the end, the guidelines and thing and yeah, some middle ground. I, I, like, I think one thing to mention is that the guidelines for the Dreadouts were really, really, really restrictive. Like we were so shoehorned into a lot of things. There's a lot of things that would be very easily solved by just yeah. adding a special rule, a very simple yeah. special rule, but we weren't allowed to because of the guidelines. Yeah. And I, I noticed it, that with the feedback. There's loads of things. It's like, oh, we're not allowed. And it's like, what? Like, yeah, it's like, I, but I, it's so simple, and it's like, yeah, but it's that's a minor breach, so we're not going to like try and bend it and get around it. I guess like that's it. like another uh, discussion. Uh, I, I guess the, that's another discussion. It's just like uh, uh, about if, uh, like, is that a good thing or or not? Like, uh, I get the idea that you want to differentiate the books, but the idea that the guideline is like, oh, you can't access this special rule at all in your armor. Yeah. I don't know, like, does that really affect the feel of yeah, like, the army? Yeah, for, 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 we can talk examples. Like, yeah. for example, um, hard target was something that the dreadel was not allowed to have. Yeah, uh, we could we couldn't have any map. any missile defense, and that was that was a big issue for some units. It's good for dwarves, though. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> so for example, the the mist leviathan. Yeah. Which is like a new concept, which we'll get to. Yeah. Is like a, a monster that secretes mist. And, I don't uh, know. Secretes is a funny word. <laughs> <laughs> so well, the idea is that it like it it pushes the mist out, and then yeah. the dreadnoughts can kind of come through the mist. Yeah, and, they're like, going to come. Yeah, <laughs> they can and secrete like and come. <laughs> I think when but, you guys were like talking about the guidelines, like sticking to mist of ice, and like people in the playtesting team were like, "Oh, why doesn't they just give like the six uh, plus ages that the altar did?" And you know. Uh, people were saying that that kind of breaches the guidelines like hard target Yeah, I thought you guys up to that really rigidly and it's sometimes at playtesting it was a bit frustrating but I think looking at the end product it was, it was worth it especially compared to like ID who totally bent all their guidelines yeah I think the new the new iteration is a bit more balanced let's say sure the new one, the beta tree is a bit of an improvement on it, but yeah, they did definitely take the guidelines and then get like a legal team in to be like, so how can we like get all the things we want that we're not allowed? They the, the, the disciple of Luger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, oh, well, it's not lethal strike, but it is oh, AP 10 and stuff like that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so I think maybe we should just get into yeah, the, the, the meat book, and potatoes. Yeah, the meat and potatoes of this podcast now. Uh, I don't know how long we've gone, but uh, 
So, um, so yeah, Dread Elves, take it away, Casimir. Let, let's start with the army model rules. Yeah, or actually, there's like two pieces of artwork uh, in the in the actual version that we have. Look, I don't know if they're gonna be in the, uh, in the version, but like it's uh, so there's this uh, I guess Aquaman like Aquaman looking dreadlock <laughs> on the front who has like a, like a. I don't know, like a huge kind of fins out of his ears and like orange cloak behind him and stuff with green. Yeah. I like I like the colors, but he does look like a little bit crazy. I have to say. We can. And we they, can like, actually... He has purple boots as well. I like it's pretty cool. I've I've got it up on the screen now for those people who are listening on YouTube. Which if you haven't worked out yet, you can find Amazon Podcast on YouTube now. It, yeah. it, for me, it's a little bit Games Workshop. But yeah, that's, it, that's it, okay. it reminds me of their like the Flying Fish Army, the I don't know if they killed yeah, 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 yeah. But then, but then the next piece, which is in, is like a, a much more muted, like a little bit more like I guess uh, dark or dread. Yeah, of, it's uh, a bit more like Sixth yeah. Ed Games Workshop. Yeah, exactly, which yeah. is pretty nice. It's very good. Okay, so, so so starting off in the army wides or army mole rules. Yeah. Uh, what did you want to achieve, I guess, with the universal special rules before we go into them? Well, was three... making it ridiculously overpowered. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's... Straight in with the sand. Didn't even open my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the first one is academy training. Do you want to go through it? Uh, okay. Yeah. Sure. So. So, okay, so here's actually, uh, it starts off with saying that a unit with more than half of their models with academy training are considered academy trained. Yeah. And I thought that was quite interesting because what happens if you have a character who's not academy trained and then you get just one dude left in your rank and file, then you lose academy trained. Yeah. Which I yeah. thought would be like a funny thing because I see this, nobody will remember that except at ETC. Okay, so there's, yeah. a, there's a few instances where this is interesting. Okay, Let so should I just finish the rule first? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> so it says that when, when calculating combat scores, uh, if you're academy trained and you're uh, calculating, uh, like the opponent is calculating the rank bonus, they get minus one to a minimum of zero. So you get minus one rank bonus. And then in addition, if you're within eight inches of another academy trained unit that's not fleeing, uh, you get plus one advance for your charge through devastating charge. Uh, when you declare a charge, and you also get another rank for purposes of steadfast, and uh, yeah, but that's only uh, only if you already have a rank. Basically. Yeah, and then disrupted if you have at least one full rank. Yeah, yeah. So so rules wise, um, sneaky trick here. Mm -hmm. So if you have like a, an academy trained character, yeah, on like yeah, let's say a solo guy on a Pegasus or a Manticore. So he's academy trained, so he gives like a little academy trained bubble. Yeah. Or, or the other thing you can do is you can have two academy trained characters on chariots with another chariot and a unit of chariots. Ah, oh, okay. But then the unit of chariots is academy trained because there's two two guys who are academy trained and one chariot who's not. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So if you had just one chariot and one character, that wouldn't be enough. No. Yeah. So you need you need two. Yeah, because so, you need more than half. Yeah, more than half. Yeah. So that's like rules wise. But I think from a background wise. So the the Dread Elves are very like militaristic society, and from from the background, basically every single Dread Elf citizen goes to the academy. Oh, okay. And this is like a military training thing. Um, so this is like completely. There's no like gender anything. No, 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 no. The same. Actually, okay. women are a little bit more dominant in Dread Elf society okay. than men. Yeah. 
so they're like socially dominant like whereas in like our society like yes. human society the like, yeah the other way around yeah. um so so basically all dread elves go to the academy as like part of their legal system everyone has to go to the academy to be trained mm. and so it's like the draft basically. yeah so yeah exactly and and essentially as we will see a bit later um what like whichever path you take through the academy you kind of end up at a different place mm. Um, so, so this rule, it, these set of rules, is kind of what we're trying to do here is show that the academy units, which are part of the academy, or like let's say we can just say like the legionary is obviously part of the academy, yeah. the auxiliaries are part of the academy, the obsidian guard are part of the academy. Um, these units are used to fighting together and should gain some kind of bonus for fighting together, yeah. and that's why. The like the steadfast like obviously if you're if you're next to your friends yeah like one you don't want to be seen to run away in front of your friends so you're a bit more like steadfast and also you're a bit a little bit more brave when you're fighting next to a unit that you kind of understand the way that they're trying to move or yeah or what they're trying to do so so you're a little bit more you're a little bit more brave and you're you kind of like I don't know if you guys play Total War, but like when you're next to like another unit, yeah. you're a bit more happy. Yeah, <laughs> happy chumps. Yeah, and and also the the devastating charge kind mm. of partly is like a guidelines thing. Like we, it's an aggressive army. Yeah. So so what we were trying to do is is simulate that the units working together have yeah. a, a more effective. Yeah. So so the like to me the first thing that kind of strikes out is that you reduce your opponent's rank bonus. And this extra rank helps you re like remove their steadfast, right? No, no, it doesn't. Uh, no, okay. No, so no. It, it so, only is, so the rank yeah, the, it's only for the combat score. No, but uh, this like if you count it's as rank having, bonus, yes, it's not rank. Sure, sure, but you also count as having an additional rank. Yeah, that's correct. So that means that you disrupt with one extra. Yeah. So like, so if you're fighting in the flank of your unit. Okay, so it's only if you're fighting. In the yeah, flank. that's what disruptors is. Yeah. So, but okay. So th this is the part I didn't understand because it yeah, said like it having an additional rank yeah, yeah. for the purposes of steadfast. Yeah. Does that mean for, for the purpose of steadfast? Yeah. So for purpose of steadfast. Yeah. Then so you have a rank. So it's so if you have, if you have uh, two ranks and somebody has three ranks and you're fighting in the front, you've got an additional rank, so you both yeah. get three ranks. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what that's I meant. Correct. So, so yeah. it's like uh, you really kind of. Uh, like pushing the MSU factor in this sense because you have yeah. this thing that's going to reduce your opponent's rank bonus, but he's also like you're also counting for a lot more for breaking a steadfast. That's yeah. what yeah, what yeah. Trying so to get to. so the the re reducing the opponent's rank bonus is like a small small bonus that you get for your combat race. Yeah. But then the steadfast is you count as one extra rank. Yeah. I think this is this has worked for me in multiple ways. So like oh, having oh no shit <laughs> <laughs> okay in a second you can go sassy I'm so, getting ready I'm all, so all like cranked you, up here like, let's say like you're you're fighting with fifteen um, legionaries and then you you lose a few and then you're gonna have your first rank maybe your second rank and then you you actually count as having two ranks uh, for for steadfast so it's you're less likely to run away in those situations where you lose a few guys. So, so Alex, well, what's your opinion of this one? I just think it's kind of a dirty way to to give your unit a plus two when by making it a plus one minus one. That, that's that's not really what happens. You only get minus one for the combat score, but then the, yeah, which is what which is what's going to help you break a unit, right? Yeah, but then the steadfast doesn't really do that though. It's just for steadfast. 
the yeah, steadfast no. gets really yeah. good though, I think. Because yeah, I, I think so like as well. Ten, if you have like a small unit of say crossbow guys, auxiliaries or something. Yeah. And like you're like say too deep, so you're like really wide doing all your shooting shit. Then like uh Taurus or something charges you. Once yeah. you have like one rank of like five guys left after you take the hits, the impact hits and everything, you yeah. now count as being steadfast on your two ranks and you can kind of charge the shit out of it. So I think it's really good against the current like single model meta. That's yeah, yeah, really yeah. I, I agree. Yeah, I agree. It makes the MSU very sturdy. Yeah. At least if at least as long as it's together, but like eight inches isn't that far, to no. be honest. So like you kinda of have to play it a lot tighter than you would be used to, I guess. Yeah. I mean corner to corner eight inches. If you have an MSU army, like there's not that much room on the fucking table. You know, you're kind of jammed up together anyway, right? It's not all academy trained though, as well, so you have to yeah. remember. So, that. so certain units are going to be academy trained, as as you see. Yeah, and there'll be ways to gain academy trained as well. Yeah. So the next uh, universal rule is hunting boas, yep. which uh, makes uh, people who flee from you have minimized the uh, flee distance. Yeah. So I guess this, this to me like this straight away is this kind of idea that they're slavers and they yeah. want to capture prisoners. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, this this is 100% as you say. It's, it's like the all the units that are hunters or slavers get this this special yeah. rule. So it's also alluding to like the MSU kind of theme, which yeah. will run through the dreadouts. So what we wanted to emphasize is that as you say, they're slavers, so they're trying to capture slaves. And doing these kind of multiple charges, like putting the dread the the shadow riders on the corner or the courses on the corner. Yeah. It, it's it's like a way of like ensuring that you capture those units when you break them. Mm-hmm. Can I can I just point out the amount of times you've said MSU in order to take him drone? Sure. Just just uh, just for future. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that you don't like the, the, the MSU way that the book's gone, but that, that's unfortunately what we went with. Okay, so the last uh, universal rule is the scent of blood. So this rule uh, gives you frenzy and fearless while you're engaged in combat. And as well as that, if you declare a charge uh, against something that has lost a, a health point from its uh, health pool, uh, then you get plus one advanced devastating charge. So you get like, yeah. charged further if stuff is wounded. So this is mainly for the raptors, let's yeah, say, but there's a lot of other units that get this special yeah. rule. So yeah. this this is like to to kind of depict those units that are very bloodthirsty, mm. like they can smell the blood, so then they're more more agitated, they're more like oh, I want to fucking yeah, kill some okay. shit. I, I think it's really cool, actually. Also, like I was synergized a little bit with shooting. If you have like you know raptor rights and and then you shoot something which you might not be the most effective target but it loses a health point yeah. and then suddenly you can um, like a yeah. further reach and 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 a lot of the army if if you play it in the msu way is going to be infantry mm. so those units that have center blood and are also infantry yeah uh, are going to again get a little bit of a benefit as well so as with the academy getting plus one advance rate yeah. could you get so you like guess there's some cases where you can get both of these to stack so you get plus two yeah exactly okay. and um, also with like something like witchcraft you can start to yeah. rack up the advance rate on units so even though you're an infantry army you're actually quite aggressive and quite fast mm. So I, yeah. I need to ask, what, what is the consequence of being frenzy while you're in combat? Because I know what yeah. it does so when you're 
Not so if if you if you're trying to restrain pursuing, yeah, you have to roll minimized or oh, max, max maximized oh, okay. test to restrain pursuing. Okay, so it's sort of like you're gonna fly away a little bit more. I guess. Yeah, yeah. So it's a little bit like a little bit risky if you wanted to stop and reform or something. So it has downside. This rule's really good though. I think it's like a lot of fun. I was using Dread Knights a lot during playtest, and then like this was great. Especially there was a way before you could get Academy this and Witchcraft and a Banner of Speed. Yeah, yeah, the, and then yeah. You had like the world's fastest raptors, but like it's gone now. But so we, like, we, we removed that one. Yeah, you're like, well, yeah. What's the moment that uh, you yeah. know when it charges? Well, eleven base. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> the amount of times I had to play against this bloody raptor Death Star, and he's just sitting there. Turn two to clean a six-inch charge. Oh, I'm advanced <laughs> eleven, and uh, what do you want to do? This is like the old times with the cosmology on the hill with the chariot star. Like, I've never had that much fun in the entire game. <laughs> How many times? But these are the benefits of playtesting, I guess, is that you catch these things before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, and then so then we go to the attack attributes, yeah. and these are pretty similar, so I'll do both at the same time. So you have ruthless efficiency, which gives you plus one to wound on the first round of combat, and then you have artistry of death, which is just a flat plus one to wound all the time. Yeah, so so with this, what we were trying to achieve, um, as I said, all the Dread Elf Society, they get trained in the Academy. Yeah. It's a very very militaristic society. So all the elves in Selexia who are under the Dathan Republic, they know how to kill someone. Everyone goes basic combat training and they're also elves. Mm. So they're like very proficient at killing things. So yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> especially warriors. Especially, like especially how, warriors. Henry, I like how you like very matter-of-factly explain this. Like, you know, this is how the story is, and this is where it all, you know, this is where it all comes from because that's that's who they are. And it's like, you know what else? Like, you could have also made that not who they are. <laughs> to, like, to not give yourself an excuse to make them super fucking awesome, right? Like, oh, hey, look, everybody. We get plus one to wound in first round of combat, and we also have just plus one to wound all the time. So basically, forget, forget the stats that you're reading when you're looking at a fucking unit, because if you ever see any of these other things, it just means that plus one, like, and go fuck yourself. Like, what the fuck? You're like, okay, plus one to wound. Okay, so it's like, okay, so... uh What's your strength? Yeah. What's your resilience? Doesn't matter. I've got plus one. <laughs> two plus. Two plus. Doesn't matter. You're a loser. Mm. I win. Like, it's like, oh, no, but it's all part of the story. Yeah, but you wrote the story. You, you need to suck it up, Alex. <laughs> this is how it is now. Yeah, like, you just have to accept that Henry doesn't have a job, but he has full command of the knife age. That's how what it is now. Hey, I mean, I bought, I bought a big pack of stuff to make a, to make a Dread Elf army. Yeah, like that's the key. Just play the yeah, army. Just, just get it built, Alex, and yeah. get it on the table. Then you won't be complaining anymore. Yeah, it's like, oh, look at all you losers, you peasants, <laughs> playing with your normal elves and your normal dwarves. What a bunch of lamos. What you want to do is get working on KOE now yeah. so that like, yeah. when they come out, you're like sitting there ready for it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because it's it's only going to be knights anyway, right? So as K long as you KOE paint... is not an army. I had a KOE army, and it's not an army that I want to build and yeah. paint again. Too it's many good. horses. Uh, they're going to be they're going to be bad. So don't worry. Don't <laughs> nobody bother with KOE. <laughs> yeah, okay. and, and also like also this this is kind of replacing the reroll once to wound yeah. to an extent as well, and also replacing the altar 
Yeah. That gave yeah. this exact rule before. Yeah. So, so it's pretty much an auto include. And the old, yeah, the altar was always there. Basically. Yeah. So yeah. so yeah. it's it's while while is it is a buff to the army, it's not really that different to what it was before. Yeah. I mean, like I, yeah. I can instantly see when I look through this book that it's going to be pretty rough to play UD against this book. I think. Like just just from the fact oh, that yeah. currently the like the sphinxes are I think one of the things that work after the recent healing nerf for for UD because it's toughness eight right and like the fact that everything in this army at least wounds it on a toughness five plus. what uh, resilience eight well yep. <laughs> first one of the night <laughs> you gotta start somewhere yeah I, I mean like makes it uh, that it could like it could be pretty int- like rough you have yeah. to think a little bit more I think when you make a like after this is released, I think that if you make a UD list, you're gonna have to consider a lot more if you're gonna take three sphinxes. Basically, yeah, th- this is a brilliant complaint because it's like, oh no, I'm a UD player and now I have to think while I'm playing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, like we already talked about this before, James. Like I only play armies where I don't have to think. <laughs> wow, no like, to dwarfs. Yeah, well, exactly. I like, it's like I, chariot star into everything. Dwarves, yeah. warriors, UD. Yeah, well, Burmese uh, warriors. Oh, true. Yeah. yeah. So like just just. Point no, no. Everything that's open. They're fine. They're fine. Like, maybe I'll make one of these armies. Yeah. And then uh, just to just to touch on the artistry of death. So as we said, like the ruthless efficiency is kind of alluding to that the fact that the elves are very efficient at killing things. Yeah. Then the artistry of death is taking that to another level. So those They're units. They're also that... very creative at killing things. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, They're yeah. artistic at killing things. So so those those units that have this <laughs> special rule are like very competent killers and highly trained so that's just kind of alluding to that yeah this is really on brand (laughs) yeah but i to be honest i I like the idea that you you didn't make like a new crazy special rules for for those units it's just essentially the same thing but it doesn't like diminish i guess so moving on to the armory Uh, so first of all we have i guess the most interesting entry which is the blades of darag this was one of my ideas so maybe it's good maybe it's bad but it's what it is (laughs) so let's just read through it so first of all it's a two-handed weapon or used in two hands something like that and it gives you plus one attack and magical attacks always and then you get plus one strength for every attribute like non-attribute spell that's uh that has only duration one turn that's cast on the units uh, where, yeah, that has some specification that you have to apply the effect and so on. And you cannot uh, enchant this weapon with anything else. Yeah, so, so the first thing I want to ask, why yeah. is this not paired weapons? So I think the reason it's not paired weapons is because paired weapons come with, obviously, they, the... They already get plus one attack value. Yeah, but you, yeah. We, you, they ignore parry as yeah. well, which is kind yeah. of the big thing that we wanted yeah. to differentiate them from. Okay. So and plus one offense is good. Yeah, and plus one yeah, offensive but, skills. But, so, okay, so why did you want to differentiate from ignoring parry? Um, I think obviously we didn't want to put stack too many buffs on top of each other. Yeah. What? Uh, <laughs> 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 I mean, like it does say stacking buffs yeah, yeah. gives you more strength. And, and also, and also, like we, as we all know, with ninth age, it's quite an open, open-ended modeling opportunity. Yeah. So having like a two-handed weapon, which mm-hmm. could be two weapons it could be like a, a yeah, staff yeah. it could be a whip it could be like a shield with a sword on it or mm. like there's a lot of models out there that yeah, could be true. used for this so yeah. we kind of wanted to make it open-ended yeah as to what could Wait. be interpreted for the blades of darag um, yeah. as we'll touch on dancers are gone and it, you need to use if people have 
different like halberd, great weapon, whatever, dancers, it needs to be open ended. Plus, if you have the all the bonuses to hit, like plus one offensive skill, ignore parry, and then you're getting all this plus one strength, you're doubling down on both roles, and it's just way too good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it was it was a concession choice, and I think this works really well. Mm. Um, and as as we'll get to, there's there's a lot of synergies in the army with with this. Yeah. Yeah, I think we can already see quite a few synergies. <laughs> We're only on the first page. Yeah. There's only one. They must be really obvious like, because you're new to the game. So it's like you you're only playing a few months, and it's like ah, oh, this is blatantly broken. <laughs> so, so just to touch on this from a background perspective, um, Darak is the the elven god of smithing. So these are kind of like uh, special blades that a lot of the temple units are going to have. Mm-hmm. So the temple. In the in the in the Dathan Republic is kind of the the people who are dedicated to the gods. So in this case, it's like the 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 acolytes of Darag are creating all these weapons for all their militants, and then they're giving the, giving the all these special weapons out to their acolytes and their mil- militants who are actually fighting for the temple. So in that respect, it's it makes sense because they're kind of like a magical elven blade that when they get the power from Beyond the veil, which is the realm of the gods, they get more powerful. Yeah. So that that's kind are of these the, dread elf gods or are they like common elf? The common common elven gods. So Darak yeah. is the same as Doriak in the Highborn Elf. Okay, but they have Pantheon. different names then. Yeah. So do they speak different languages? They speak different languages, um, but it's essentially the same. It's let's say it's something like. Scottish Greeks English. and Romans or something. Oh, so it's very close. So it's very close, oh, but hang on, hang on. But so, it, so it's not, oh, it's not even like Danish and Swedish. Oh, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe Danish and Swedish is a better yeah, a better analogy. Because that is like actually a different language. It's a, it's a, it's a different same. language, but if you're writing it, it maybe it sounds the same, but when you're writing it, it's different, right? Okay, so sure. maybe Danish and Swedish is a better analogy. Yeah. But yeah. Is the gods thing kind of like? There's going to be uh, race riots on Hammer Time. <laughs> I'm glad I avoided that one. Yeah. <laughs> Is it kind of like the way the Greeks and the Romans had like similar gods though? Like so you had like Mars and whatever. I think it's a little bit more like maybe the Germans and the Scandinavians. Okay, so it's like the right. same gods but just with slightly different traditions. Yeah, it's the same or gods with know. slightly different names and slightly different traditions. Okay. So obviously they're related because they come from the same root, but over time the yeah. language changes and the the traditions change. Okay. Yeah, I was just about to ask, can I ask where they came from? But um, okay. most of the Elven pantheon is is based on Celtic gods and Celtic. But, no, but I mean, like, were they one race that schismed, or are they? Yeah, exactly. I don't so know if we can ask. So that, yeah, like um, it started with the basically all the elves were Sylvan elves to begin with, mm. and there was a faction that. That kind of emigrated to the the islands where the highborn elves now live, and then that that empire that grew from those islands were the highborn elves, and then there was like a faction of those elves that were in Selexia, a similar basically similar to like the American and the British. Okay. So there was like the elves colonized Selexia, and then the Selexian elves kind of split from the homeland. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. So uh, and, and we're slavers. 
Yeah, it's like yeah, exactly. Just, just like the fucking just Americans. Like the Americans. Fucking Americans. Yeah. A little bit on the nose again. Okay. <laughs> one last question. Which elves were the Brits? So I know which one's not. The highborn elves. Highborn elves. Okay. Highborn elves. Yeah. Also Which's the Irish as well. Them. Which also James has a highborn elf army, just to point that out there. So he has uh, not anymore. I'd, I'll be back in two minutes and going to the yeah. bin. They're going to be painted black. <laughs> Burn them. Uh, so also, this is a two-handed weapon, but it's not a great weapon, right? So it doesn't get the penalties. No, no. Two-handed just means you yeah. can't use a shield. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And there's certain weapon enchantments as well, isn't there? That are like... yeah, well, you yeah. can't use any weapon enchantments on this. Yeah. So. Uh... Right. I'm sorry, yeah. So, so the next weapon, I think this is my second most favorite thing in books, uh, and this is the repeated crossbow. So it's a shooting weapon that has 18 inches range, and when it shoots uh, normally, it has one shot strength free AP0, so not very impressive. But when you're on short range, you have three shots. It's like when you get a little, <laughs> bit, close, a little it, bit close it, to it the kill. It says it gains yeah, three like, shots. <laughs> it says it gains... Oh, no. Okay. So the bracket three means three total. I thought it's... Yeah. I, the way I read it, it says it it says it's gaining three shots. Oh, okay. Four shots. Yeah, that would be. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because they're really good at killing, because they're like really good at it. You know, <laughs> that's, what, that's what the background says. So like, like they're not just good at killing close; they're good at killing from afar, also. I, I want to point out though that this kind of annoys me a wee bit because how many PT reports said that uh, getting three shots at short range were OP. It was like, also when when you were playtesting that it was also AP one the whole time. Yeah, true. It was AP one, but it was just it's mental. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely mental. mental. But I, I think with AP zero, it like it doesn't really. I think it doesn't really change that much. Like if you think like, okay, how good is like strength through AP zero shooting right now? Oh. Yeah, but yeah. If, that's so if you've got a squad of ten guys and you ro- and you're rolling thirty dice, it's still like. Yeah, pretty, but you're, you're, you're also going to have, like, say, a div adept for real hit, or, well, currently, anyway, Witchcraft has battle focus. Or, oh, yeah, like, there's probably some synergies because they're really good at killing, right? Yeah. Like, that's yeah. part of the story. Although, I have to say, from, play, from playing UD with uh, strength free shooting with no AP, like, you can get div magic and cosmology to buff it, but usually those spells are not worth casting because it means, like, one or two more yeah. wounds. So. Yeah. But, but you're, you're, say you get to short range, right? You're within nine inches. So you're hitting on fours because you've marched. Then you're standing shooting on fours. And say you've got zero to hit on that. You're hitting with like 75%. Like that is mental for like a 200 and whatever point unit. Yeah. Like I guess the price might be. Yeah. Okay. Like this, I think this is probably the one thing in the army book that's most likely to change after the alpha version um there's been a lot of different designs with this and and the task team and the rules team and the playtesting team we couldn't really agree on on what was the best direction with this um obviously the 18 inch range is is a big limitation compared to what was before and i think from the task team point of view we wanted to create something that was that want that made you want to take the the auxiliary unit because before it was never taken. So we really wanted to have a design that made you wanted to take this unit, but at the same time we were limited on the range and we were limited a lot by the guidelines and the rules team. So so th- I think this is a good concession. And and as I said, it's it's if if the feedback from the alpha testing 
with the public is is really negative, then I think this is probably the most likely thing that's going to be changed. Yeah, I'm going to hold yeah, off with buying this army then, because like in my mind when I read this, I'm like, how many of these units can I put in here? Like <laughs> three times fifteen. And there, then... there is like a limitation on yeah, yeah, the yeah. amount. I, of I saw that. Yeah. I think you guys um like quite well or anyway really focused and getting auxiliaries like to actually see table time and obviously there's been a loads of back and forth on this weapon i just think this is is not the not not the option i i i'm i'm kind of somewhere in the middle like for me i the like an ap1 two shot thing would have been better but we we couldn't agree with rules team and i think this is a good concession for the time being uh, and hopefully we can get some good feedback from the public and, and see how it goes from there. So I think we're very open to, to changing this, but we just need a bit more data. Yeah, sure. Yeah, fair. I, I think a lot of it depends on what way the project wants to go, because like, it looks a bit nuts, but then if you look at some other armies, like, say the Infernal Dwarf Lab, because like, they're the only other one shooting, they've got the flintlocks at 18-inch range, they're like strength 4 AP2 all the time. Yeah, yeah, and then you've got like a toughness for tree up armor guy. So I think a lot of people are going to whinge about these, but they're going to forget that it's a toughness tree, five up save elf standing in front of you, yeah, nine inches away. That's yeah. going to get charged and probably killed if it does not kill yeah. the thing. But, like. but that, that's a, this this kind of promotes to me like a cloud type play, and I just that's not Jade Elves to be like. I, I, for me, this just stands out as something that I really don't like, and I just don't think fits the feel. Like these cloud units marching out in front, fleeing, and then you get charged like that. But, uh, but I, I, th I think cause I kind of agree with you, Fraz. But at the same time, um, what we wanted to achieve with this design is that we wanted to f make it feel like you're playing aggressively. So being able to march up like ten inches and shoot at short range nine inches and put yourself in danger of being charged mm. is like a feel that we wanted to have. So like if you're pushing up your auxiliary unit really like heavily into the face of the opponent, you're going to get charged. So you have to be able to support it with your whole army and being able to like, and that kind of feeling of like pushing up aggressively is what we wanted to achieve. You give them like fearless or something then they can't flee. And then you're not giving them this cloud play. Or, but then they're really I'm not scared then. With, I mean, I don't, I don't want to go into like just the design discussion, design, but but like yeah, th yeah. this is what we we're trying to achieve, and and I feel like we've achieved like incentive of pushing these up aggressively, yeah. because what we didn't want to happen is that the guys are just sitting behind all the units like yeah, shooting, like shooting over and, stuff. and 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 so I think we've I think we've achieved that with this, with this design. I don't know if it's good. I don't know if it's going to work, but but I think it I think it's a, a good. Um, middle ground for now. Yeah, I mean, also yeah, the fact that it's, it's so shitty when you don't when you're not on short range, it's just terrible. Like eighteen inches, one straight yeah, that, zero is just shit. Awesome. Like you're not yeah. gonna use that. Yeah, you need you need, really need to push up into short range with these, and that's kind of danger zone. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so. So the next uh, the next one is another shooting weapon, which is the repeater handle, which uh, has an X, which I assume means that different units can have different number yeah, of shots. Yeah, there's two different units in the book that have different number yeah. of shots. So this is like a, a smaller version of the repeater crossbow. So it has a 12-inch range, strength-free, but it does have AP1. It also has quick-to-fire and accurate, so it's not going to take almost any no. shooting penalties, basically. So again, this is like another short-range shooting weapon. I think um, the... The AP1 kind of makes sense with this because be it's, it's going to be on the elite units. 
Um, but aside from that, it's it's not changed that much from the from the slim book. Yeah, it's it's kind of the same. Or I don't even remember. I can't remember. <laughs> but yeah, it seems pretty reasonable. Anyone have any comments on this one? I think I have to see it with the unit. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get there. Yeah. So Sorry. so this last uh, armory entry is the Krakenhide. Uh, maybe you should say cloak or just a crack and hide in general. Hide. Okay. So if you're on foot, uh, if you have this, then you get plus one armor. Yeah. So this is for a lot of the, let's say, like the Corsair guys. Yeah. Or like the the guys that are kind of related to raiding or something like yeah. that. Like it's like a status symbol. Are they also like related to killing sea monsters and stuff? Or? Yeah. So obviously the Corsairs are somewhat related to like sea monsters, like Kraken, right? Okay. Um, I think. Uh, the corsairs themselves, they they kind of wear this like kraken armor, kraken hide armor, rather mm. than like plate armor or metal armor. Because oh, okay. obviously they're on boats, so it's a little bit lighter, um, but but stronger than than regular steel or something like that. So that's that's kind of what we're going for. And from a design point of view, just being on foot, it kind of takes away like yeah, the opportunity for cowboys and things like that's that. That's really good. I think that like this would just be silly if you were able to somehow put this on a guy on a raft or whatever, right? Yeah. So I, th I think it's pretty pretty simple here. Yeah. Okay, so uh, so the next thing, I think this is the one of the things in the book that I think is like the most complicated, which is the hereditary spell. So it's called the Phantom Queen's Curse. So it's cast on an 8 and has a 24-inch range, and it's a hex that lasts one turn. So uh, it says that whenever a model that is target of this spell inflicts a health point loss against an enemy unit, the model's unit suffers one hit with strength 4 AP2 and magical attacks. These hits are considered ranged attacks and they are distributed by the attacking unit's owner uh, only consider health point losses caused by close combat attacks, shooting attacks, special attacks and spells of duration instant for this purpose. No health point or health pool can generate more attacks this way than it had health points before the health point loss. Like when you read it, it sounds yeah. really complicated. But yeah, it's like in reality, it's really simple. So, so let me just uh, say what when I read this the first time, I'm like, what what does it mean? So, I what I think it means is that you you cast it on a unit, and then whenever this unit does damage to something else, it takes a hit. Yeah, but it only takes as many. It can maximum take as many hits as it has health points Correct. when you cast it. Correct. Yeah. Uh, but but then it specifies what types of things it takes hits from. But it seems to say almost everything. Yeah. So. So it's it's pretty much everything. Like, yeah. I I don't really know what instances it doesn't. Okay. Maybe it's like stuff that's kind of like yeah. like, like addition like further. I think it's being clear for the sake of like. Yeah, stopping people dodging, taking the hits more than yeah. like, uh, okay. limiting it. So I think yeah. it's more to be like everything. It's everything. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So so basically, there's there's a lot of ways of using this spell. Yeah. So from a background point of view, of view, the Phantom Queen is one of the gods, mm. and um, it's like a curse. So the, the it's it's like a very dread elfy spell. So it's like if you're gonna do damage to me, you're gonna get hurt. Yeah. It's kind of like an antithesis to the high elf spell, which is yeah, like elf drink. Hey, second one. <laughs> high elf spell, which is like a protection spell. This is like a, a protection spell, but it doesn't protect you, but it damages your opponent. Yeah. So I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And so essentially, what happens with this spell is that you cast it on the opponent. 
if they do damage to you in combat, they take strength to strength four AP two hits. If yeah. they damage you with shooting, they take strength four AP two hits. Yeah. If they damage you with magic, they take strength four AP two hits. I think it's not as good as it sounds. Okay. Because the strength four AP two does pretty good damage, but it, it's very situational in where it affects. For example, I played against Pete. I cast it on his Swordmasters. Yeah. And charged in with some elves, and he killed. 15 elves and took 15 strength 4 hits AB2 on the Swordmasters, which was great. Yeah. I've I've uh, I played against a Saurian Ancients player. I cast it on the Quattle unit, who uh, who had Pyro, killed loads of elves and half the Temple Guard died, <laughs> which was great. <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah, like you you cast yeah. the Aura spell. Yeah. Hits but, everything and yeah. you're just like. <laughs> but every every now and again you you just roll bad on the hits and it yeah. doesn't do anything. So so it, it's good but it's situational. So the thing that I thought when I saw this was like the whole that you can only take as many as you have health points seems like a weird keeping track business. Well, it, well, it's basically like okay, like let's let's use the cattle example. Yeah. Let's say the cattle causes ten hits on. Some it, elves. It has to count. Does it have to cause hits or wounds? So ten wounds. Ten let's wounds, say. Yeah. Let's it's say guys die basically. Yeah, yeah. Let's say it kills ten ten, ten wounds on some elves. Yeah. So you, let's say right now you you have like twenty temple guards, so it causes yeah, twenty yeah. wounds sure. on a temple guard. Yeah. But then you but then then you kind of go down to like nine guys and you cast another spell mm. and you cause another ten wounds and then yeah. you okay you only can take nine hits. Yeah, so I mean, like I I get it. It's kind of to, it's kind of to stop like. Like, so, it, like, let's say you have a wizard on a dragon, mm. and you cast a spell on something, and then you cause ten wounds. Yeah. Then you don't take ten wounds on the dragon. So okay, so my question is: Is this in how it works? So say say you have that unit of twenty temple guard or yeah. whatever they call now, and uh, then so so you cast the spell on that unit. Do you do, is it that okay? The spell is cast, and then you say I can only ever take twenty hits total. Or is it every time the slam acts? Every time the, the slam acts. Quartal. Yeah, quartal. Uh, then drink, then drink, you then drink, you check. Drink. Yeah, you, you you test it like yeah. you check at the point when you cast the spell. Ah, okay, so that's simpler. Because in my yeah. head when I read this, I thought no, no, it was no, no. like you have to make a little note. It's like no, no, this no, no. unit can take twenty no, no, no. hits at the point you do the damage. Okay. So well, I've, got little, I've got a little bit of a question here. Sure. Okay, so I don't understand what part of this is situational. Right, it just sounds like if you roll bad, it sucks. But that's the, you can say that for basically so anything. Let, in this Alex, game. Alex, let's say we're playing against warriors. Mm -hmm. I don't really have any targets for the spell aside from your caster. So let like let's say like okay, it's going to work in combat. But You're going to cast it on my caster's unit, right? Yeah, but the only thing I can do is cast it on your caster's unit. But let's say okay, your caster has evocation, and the only damage that you're doing is like, like like one one hit point per turn so it's not really going to do that much so in in that way it's situational because until we're in combat it doesn't really affect me or affect you the other thing is if you cast it in a or say you're in a big combat and they've dispelled a couple of spells and you need to cast this and you're a grinding unit like dwarves or something like dwarves don't really care because they're not they're not relying on the damage really yeah, yeah, like, like we're, I mean, we're we're not gonna kill you, bro. Yeah, so yeah we're just fine. gonna be steadfast forever. Yeah, exactly, we're gonna have our five plus ages. Don't worry about. It. Yeah. yeah. Can we talk about before things like steps during playtesting? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I would like right, to hear so, your your guys' opinion from playtesting point of view. Uh, right? During playtesting, I've only realized now because like 
I didn't read over this before we played or before we did this podcast, but during playtesting, it wasn't limited to the health points in the unit at the time. And I thought it was way better because you could put, say, five or like eight or ten or whatever harpies in front of a unit, uh, say the UD chariots there. <laughs> oh, <Uh-oh. laughs> take yeah, they do their impact hits, they do 15 wounds to you, you take 15 <laughs> hits back. It yeah. wasn't. It yeah. wasn't tied to the runes. And I think that's way better because most of the time you're losing really expensive elves no, and you want return for your debts. James, it's a hex, so it's not tied to like the harpies amount. It's tied to the unit doing the damage amount. Ooh. So That's probably have... why it's like that, right? Yeah. Wait, no. Unit in, no yeah, but, but, it, but it's still it's still tied to the harpies in the sense that you can only... It's I mean, the, the star, UD star can only do eight wounds... Eight oh, hits to itself now. Yeah, uh, right, right. yeah, that's what yeah. the problem. Whereas before, you could like yeah. pack in front of the UD star and be like, haha, what do you want to do? Give me the whole unit or leave <laughs> the chapter. And yeah. it, like that was probably a bit bent, but I think when it comes to like 10, say, of the like elite elves, you don't really want to use this spell to trade your 10 elite elves for 10 four, strength four hits. Yeah, it depends what you're, so, what you're casting. So I think on, right? people. People are going to think this is bent at first, but I think it, when you remember, you're losing like probably thirty odd points per health point. Yeah, and, 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 and also in like a normal situation, you're probably going to trade a spell for this. Yeah, unless you take yeah. the heirloom. So it's so it's it's good yeah. and it's situational and it can work well. I think but yeah, the team needs credit good. as well for coming up with a really original spell. Yeah, that's it's like very interesting, fun and different, and like it changes the game a bit instead of just taking something and. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I've just seen it. I've read it again, but yeah, this wasn't in playtesting because I put yeah. I put one chariot into eight Merc vets and I killed six out of. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so and you're then, the reason it changed. And it was, it was <laughs> oh Ben, un, it's unbelievable. And the chief had got the second chariot, and like they would have just killed themselves. Yeah, if I'd so I charged two, one failed charge. Uh, they would have just killed themselves. I mean, this is like a perfect yeah. spell against Mokbets, to be honest. Yeah. 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 I, I feel like this, I, I'm going to go the other way. I actually really dislike this spell. I find it is really RPS. And I really think it's so on Dread Elfie. Like, Dread Elves are supposed to be arrogant, really good fighters, value their own people. But this only takes effect, like, once they've let their pal die. I just don't think it fits thematically, and I think it's I think it does because it's kind of like the real spiteful and vengeful, and people are dying because they killed people like that. Yeah, even but, like, but that's not the fluff now. The fluff now is, oh, they're really arrogant and they look after each other and they don't care about anyone else. Like that, to yeah, me, and that's why when you kill their oh, like, they die. They die. Yeah, I, t- I feel like it's reactive rather than like if if yeah, you're maybe. like I'm just not going to let you die beside me if. Like if I if I I'm yeah, sometimes I don't have a choice. But maybe if you were like two normal military people, you'd be like, "All right, look, this is what happens in war." Whereas the dread elves are being like, "Oh no, we're better than everyone," and like, we're going to curse you now, even though it was just. I don't get if you're like you value dread elf life and all that. Why your spell would be basically sacrificing dread elf lives. Yeah, so what you're saying is that this should actually be a UD spell? Because it's the feral <laughs> no. curse, you know? It's like, oh, you kill a mummy? No, fuck you. But, I, I think you're looking at it the wrong way not to stay on for too long but it's not about like oh you're sacrificing lives you're not chopping up the elves you're putting a deterrent on killing them so it's like do I want to charge these now or like yeah thing because like 
it's making their lives worth more because now they're getting like the dwarf slayers and stuff or secrets. Yeah, they're giving strike backs. The, yeah, there's like strike back type thing now. So it's giving dwarf, more value, dwarf, I think, dwarf, to their life. Dwarf what? Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's a thing, James. <laughs> yeah, dwarf. Uh, Seekers. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think I think it, it's kind of like it's actually similar to the high elf one, but in an offensive way, I think. Or I borrowed um, it, right? Two drinks. For me, I would, <laughs> All me, I would just rather have Kipling fitting back, like no danger any day of the week. I would take it back. Mm. Yeah, I, th- so, I think as we'll see, like we we weren't really allowed to have any protection against shooting, but but as as James kind of mentioned, this is a bit of a deterrent, so you could cast it on like a very key shooting unit, and any damage that they cause, they're going to take hits. Yeah, so it's like a little bit of a deterrent, not much, but in some way it is. So, so we weren't allowed any protection against shooting, but this is kind of a way of mitigating that because there's a downside to shooting all the dread elves. I think the old version was a better deterrent, though, where it was like, all right, if you do like ten wounds of pyroclastic flow to five guys, you're taking ten hits. Yeah, Whereas I mean, now like, it's a good trade. If if it's something that you want to be just shooting, I guess I don't know if how that would work, but like an alternative would be to have it only affect ranged stuff, right? Like if if that's the case. Because yeah. I I would see these like yeah the most uh, abusive cases would be things that you uh, like examples like the Merc vets like the really close combat things right yeah. where that would be yeah. where it'd be really problematics to be to work from hits but from when it's from shooting maybe I mean there's few things I from that I can think of that do like an insane well, like much more hits than they actually have health points when it comes to shooting I guess yeah well, that's a good point. Because you can just stop shooting at it and not shoot yeah. your last two units or whatever. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's worth bringing up. So, do we want to move to special items? Yes. So, I think that the, to start off, I think you guys have like quite a theme with the uh, special items, and there, there's a lot of things here that are like when you inflict wounds or health point losses, rather, or when you uh, or when you take something like something happens like you change the magical item or special item yeah so it is which is quite interesting so to start off with the weapon enchantments we have the crippling frost which is 95 points uh, currently and the great weapon enchantment uh, so this is first a great weapon so i guess it's plus one or plus two yeah. strength so the, there's actually just a note there's only one character in the book that can take great weapon enchantments okay I mean, again, I guess we'll get to that. So, yeah. so first of all, it's it gives you above the normal grape weapon. It gives you plus one strength and plus one AP. I so do also have plus one to wound in first round of combat. Yeah, so you're plus three. So I guess this guy is strength... Seven. Uh, seven, yeah. It's four base, so it's always strength seven with his sphinx. Yeah, eight plus one to wound, yeah. Yeah, so he's basically wounding... He's wounding, sphinx is on four plus. Yeah, four plus sphinx is, yeah. That's, that's yeah. like that, yeah. <laughs> that's what you were, that's what you were looking for. <laughs> and the, the great green eyeball as well, yeah. <laughs> just saying. And then... Um, then he, this this becomes magical attacks, and then additionally, if he's in a duel, uh, he chooses uh, some mole part of whatever he's fighting, and that mole part gets uh, minus one attack uh, for every hit. Every hit, yeah, exactly. So every hit you inflict on him, he yeah. gets minus one attack. Yeah. What so does that mean, model part? So let's say like you let's say you have like a a chaos a chaos lord on a on a dragon dragon. So I I do um, what a chaos lord, Cho- oh, fuck, sorry. Cho- <laughs> chosen lord, chosen lord on a dragon, yep. and um, I inflict three hits on you. 
that means I can choose... Okay, I'm going to give the dragon minus two attacks and the Chosen Lord oh, minus can, one attack. You can split it? Or yeah, do, why not? Don't you have to... Uh, don't do, doesn't it Choose always... a model part of the enemy model. The Chosen Model part suffers minus one attack value. No, oh, you okay, choose so one model part to take minus split. one. Oh, yeah. that's Every really hit that's... inflicted with the weapon... So you could you could you can make it so that the uh, the other person can't attack at all. You always you minimum of one always. Yeah. So I, I was looking uh, at this and I was like, this is like the super character killer because yeah. your 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 dread prince, whatever it's called, is probably gonna strike first against most things. Yeah. And then he's gonna go bonk and like he probably is gonna hit four times or three times. And then this guy is gonna be like this dwarf king, whatever it is, right? He's gonna sit there with one attack and he's like <laughs> 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 I guess that's what Entropic Aura is for, right there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this is the this is the exact reason why Entropic Aura exists. This is good. I like this because, like, if you whiff, you're probably not going to lose your character because, like, you know, like you're saying there with the Dwarf King. So if he almost kills him, the Dwarf King's not going to kill him back. So yeah. it's like, uh, this is the item where you roll a five or six in your D three wounds when you've got one attack every time. Not probably. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. It happens. When you've got a rule like this, you're just tempting fate too much. That's true. I, I, yeah. like for, for me, for me, this this is like it's not as good as you think because you have to be in a duel for it to kind yeah, of take it's effect. Very expensive. You have to be in duel, yeah. and it's very expensive. But strength yeah, seven yeah. is pretty good. Like I mean, like a plus three great weapon is well, it's, it's, for L. me. It's more about the AP four. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's it is expensive though. I don't think I'd buy it. Like, yeah, it probably. But it says, but it says every hit inflicted, not every wound. Every hit, yeah. Yeah, that's that's what makes it really. So so all you gotta do is tap the guy (laughs) (laughs) with the the flat of the blade, like a samurai, you know. (laughs) It's like the empire thing. Yeah, the empire. I'm playing tappies, and it counts. (laughs) So. If if you compare this to later on the assassin and like price cost difference and how many you can have and where you can have them, I think you need to look at both these things at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's a lot of options and characters. Yeah. So let's move on to the uh, to the next thing, which is called transcendence, and it's a lance for fifty points. Yeah. So this has magical attacks, and then for every unsaved wound that you inflict, you permanently get plus one strength and plus one armor penetration, up to a maximum of plus two yeah. for the rest of the game. So this this to me looks like I guess uh, I mean it's a if you're in the same combat, it's a lance that never turns off basically. Yeah. Uh, but then also the next time you charge something, you have plus Trin- four. Eight. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, plus four. I, I like this enchantment a lot. Like it's uh, I, I've, really I've, cool. I've used it on uh, Dragon a couple of times, the Beastmaster. Yeah. It works pretty well. So you, you mean you can kill, go in and kill some chaff or whatever, and then you're like strength eight when you charge. Like it's, it's, it's nice. Um, obviously, it's like charge dependent and yeah. like, ch- like killing dependent. So yeah, it's, yeah. It, it works. Yeah. It doesn't seem too crazy. I mean, uh, this, plus, yeah. This exists already, and, and the, the synergy is you've got another thing that gives you D3 wounds. So I'm glad they, ke- they kept it. I do like this item, but you've obviously, it, it looks really good and really strong, but you have lost a synergy here. But I'm really glad they kept it, and I think it's great. 
Yeah, of of course the the D three wound item is gone, but I th- I think that was also probably a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. Yeah. You don't want every army having those things. I, I mean, doesn't well, seem. Apparently, you charge a chaff unit, you get yeah. strength eight, and then you charge a monster, you're hitting it two, is wounding it two, is D three wounds. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the thing, right? Like you, you're yeah, if somebody has this on their dragon or manticore, wherever it is, like you, you're gonna think a little bit more when you put your chaff units out. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And I, I guess that's the point. So it's successful. Yeah, I like those kind of weapons that like change the way you normally play the game, where you yeah. have to like. I agree. So, so next up we have Lacerating Touch, which is a paired weapon enchantment for 50 points. Uh, so we again get Magical this, Touch. This, this one was one of mine, just, oh, okay, uh, just okay. putting it out okay. there. Oh, it's just, probably not going to be very strong then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really just bad. kidding, I already read it. <laughs> so, you get, so you have paired weapons, and then you get plus two attack value, as well as plus two arm penetration, and you get fear. So you're already getting plus one attack value for the paired weapon. So you're getting yeah. plus three attacks with this thing. Correct. Yeah. And, and like yeah. there's a lot of AP in all these weapons, I feel like. So so normally you would put this on somebody who has like what base four or base five. Well you, you have a lot of options with this. Yeah. Because it's fifty points. Yeah, so, so anybody can take it. So the idea with this enchantment was was to have like an all round enchantment. That could be taken by almost any character yeah. that would turn them into like an infantry blender. Yeah. So there's a lot of characters that have like let's say two attacks, three attacks, four attacks. So this this they're only going to be strength four. Yeah, because nothing there's really no way to go above strength four except no, magic. A, apart from magic, so you're only going to be strength four. Obviously, you have plus one to wound in the first round, which helps. Yeah. But plus two AP, which and, helps, and plus two AP, which you're going to be strength four AP, AP three. three, which yeah. is kind of the perfect amount of AP and strength to kill like mass rank infantry. Yeah, true. But you're not going to be able to kill like the heavily armored characters. Yeah, or monsters, or, or monsters, or whatever. So, so I think for me, like the design of this was that we want an item that you can you can be that manslayer and kill like loads of infantry if you want to but you're not going to be able to kind of penetrate the armor of like a heavily armored yeah. character or like you're not going to have the strength to grind out a monster yeah i, I find with, with this item i literally just took whichever was cheaper because for a long time this was more expensive between this and hero's heart yeah i just cheaper one yeah they're, they're, I, I, yeah similar for me and I would just yeah, take cheaper to take. It so also I, it also creates fear, which isn't there like a big fear synergy in this game? Like in this in this uh, Yeah, there's a few, yeah, yeah. But uh, I used this the whole way through playtesting on like a prince and stuff and I really liked it. I didn't know you wrote it. I wouldn't have bothered if <laughs> but yeah I'm kinda of invested in this one so far. So yeah it's good. Okay. So next up we have the uh, dreadlock version of the spear enchantment. So uh, this is called Mastery of Slaughter for 40 points. Uh, so uh, it's magical tax and you have to reroll natural rolls of one to wound. And also for every health point lost you inflict on enemy unit, you get plus one combat score. So basically you double the combat score that this character requires yeah. to you. Yeah. So, so from a background point of view, something that the Dread Elves do well is they kill people in like a really artistic way. <laughs> so that's a weird oh way of putting it. So they're, they're very good at, as Alex Alex says, they're very good at killing people. <laughs> I, 
I can feel his rage already. <laughs> it's building. I'm fucking <laughs> vibrating over here. <laughs> so, so the idea about this item was like, if, if you kill someone like a really gory way, yeah. like a really horrible way, like you stick the spear like right through the eye yeah. of like some champion or something, like it's going to have a negative effect on the enemy's morale. So, so this was... It was like a mixture of like my idea and a lot and some other things mixed together, and we kind of came up with this item which is like quite, I think, evocative of the dread elves. Yeah. So it's like so a way of like depicting like a really gory death mm-hmm. with a spear. That's like, oh, the guy just like fucking got the spear through his neck or yeah. some shit. Like, oh. Shit. So every other kill in Ninth Age is a clean kill, is it? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> you have I mean, a savage like fight. Like, yeah. It's like, oh yeah, that's that's really clean. Yeah. The one but, thing about that. But the, the, you know, the Dread Elves can maybe maybe like put one through his knee, one through his like armpit, and then finish him off with like a slash to the throat or something. Like, <laughs> so it's like showboating kind of. Exactly. exactly. And, and that yeah. can kind of have a negative effect on morale. So this was the idea behind this design. Uh, this yeah. is like the Hollywood weapon of Ninth Age. Yeah. For sure. Have you, guys, like have you guys ever seen the second Hellboy movie? No. No. Do I need there's to? Like a, there's, I mean, there is basically basically a dark elf in it that uses a kick-ass spear like this. So. Okay. What it's reminded me of now is like, you know, in a video game, the like kill can- animations where it's like goes all over the top. But, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I like it because uh, a lot of the other spear enchantments, I guess there's only like two really in the game currently, but like they, they're all like, oh, you have the spear and it's, first of all, you get a spear, which is like one of the best weapons in the game. And you get all like extra killiness, but this one is nice because it gives you a bonus that's not like oh, I just kill all you dudes, you know. Yeah. Like the Highborn Elf spear is very much like oh, it's a spear, but also you die twice as much. Okay. <laughs> yeah. This is a little it's bit like Highborn Elf light. Yeah, exactly. So, so I think that in that sense, it's a good design. The, the thing that tempers this as well is like it's only available to one guy, and he's only got three attacks. Yeah. So you, you want to play forty points to make the attacks better. Okay, so yeah. Yeah, so it's only available to the legate. Ah, uh, he's the only so, guy with the yeah, spear. Okay. Yeah. He's the only one guy, yeah. Okay, so, uh, so next up we have Pride of Gar Dacon? Dacos? Dacos. So Gar Dacos is the, um, is like the big tower in, ah, okay. in the, oh, now you're asking me, I think it's called Dathan. No, wait. Dathan no. is the... Dathan is a republic. Rathen, Rathen is like the is like the capital city of okay. of the of the public. So it's and, like the Tower of Sauron, basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's where all the tower guard like oh, okay. have the home and stuff. So Gardecus is yeah. like a important place in yeah in the in the Dread Elves yeah. background. So so like you know since you said Tower Guard, it's a halberd. <laughs> yeah. And it costs thirty five points, so it gets you plus one attack, and uh, magical attacks and divine attacks as well. Yeah. So I I couldn't make up my mind if this was really good or really boring. Like that was the part which. So I I have a very negative opinion on this one. Yeah. When I I read this, I was like, this just doesn't doesn't seem to add much compared to the rulebook items. Like it's just wasted design space. But then I looked at it and it was like, at 35 points, an extra attack, you're already strength five. And you get divine attacks. Like it Um, seems like a pretty good deal. Look, like for 35 points, it's good for what it is. And I think it could be taken on multiple different characters in the book, which is which is great, and it's cheap. Yeah. But uh, for me, it could be a little bit better. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree with Henry on this one. Like, I use this a lot in playtesting on the, the previous version of the Temple Weekdays, uh, where the halberd was like five points. And eventually I just scrapped the list for most of the time. It's plus one attack for 35 points. Yeah, Divine doesn't always do that much. Yeah, that's true. Neither does Magical. So for am I bothered about one attack for 35 points? I could get another almost two Obsidian Guard or whatever else in the list. I ended up dropping this. Yeah, I kind of agree. Like Divine attacks are super situational. Yeah, and the things mean, that have like yeah. Aegis save that you actually want to kill... As oh, as uh, so you're, pr- you're probably not going to be able to kill them anyway. Yeah. So in the design process, I wanted to add lethal strike to this okay. and make it more expensive. But would that That's really be enough? Yeah, for me that would be enough to actually make it like a character killer item. Okay. So I, I think you'd need it quite a bit more expensive, but I think that would definitely be enough. Yeah, okay. like a, like I was thinking like a eighty point item or something like that, but just yeah, for lethal strike. Yeah. yeah. Is I think if you, if, you gave, if you gave this like lethal strike, you wouldn't because then you can basically one shot a, a one up four up character or a one up five up character. Yeah, I guess if you're lucky. Yeah, yeah, because I mean that's what you need with anything with divine attacks. The only purpose is to kill characters, right? Yeah. So, so if it's not going to go, yeah, true. If it's not going to go into a duel of something and just like be sure to kill it or at least have a chance then it's not really yeah. worth but, but like this was i think it i think i still think at this price point it's it's okay like if you if yeah. you're gonna take a halberd anyway and you have the points then you may as well just take it like, yeah it's a decent what extra attack it's yeah. fine if you have i'd same, love if i could take it on a gorgon that'd be really <laughs> like a solo gorgon with no <laughs> Okay, so, so then we go to the armors, and we have the Seal of the Republic, which is 40 points for mole on foot only, and it's any type of armor. So uh, for each unsaved wound that you inflict, then you get plus one armor for the rest of the game. So yeah. first of all, what, the, what does it cap on? One plus. So is that armor yeah. six? Zero, I think, isn't it? So um, just, to, just to jump in a little bit, like we with the Dread Elves, um, we had five different weapon enchantments yeah. and only one armor enchantment. This was kind of intentional design. Aggressive. Wow, killing exa- stuff. Exactly. Like, the drills are very aggressive and <laughs> we wanted to kill stuff. <laughs> and obviously, as, as Alex pointed uh-huh. out, they're very good at killing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it, and it doesn't really matter. You don't really need armor enchantments when you attack first most of the time. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You <laughs> kill stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, You're what's the point of spending these, points on armor enchantments when you already killed them in the first, like, in the first <laughs> half of, the, of that round of combat? Yeah, exactly. And I think that this uh, this armor enchantment is just taken over from the slim book. Nothing changed here. So, I think we can pretty much just uh, continue here. Okay. So, so the next one, and now we go into artifacts, and I think this one is quite interesting. Uh, Moifier's mirror for sixty-five points. So this gives you a five plus ages, and every time you uh, uh, pass this 5 plus against a wound caused by an enemy. Uh, that enemy suffers one strength 5 AP 2 attack that's magical uh, onto itself instantly. Yeah. So this is actually another one of my designs. Oh, I'm, so, I'm like a little bit so mixed it, on this one. So instantly I was like, does, does this, like I w- I'm just imagining that you have like a dude on some type of a uh, large thing or a pegasus or something and he gets shot by a cannon and the cannon is just like... 
and he dies. Well, there's only one shot. Yeah, there's only one. That's why yeah. I realized afterwards. But it's still pretty cool. Like, yeah. that you can kill stuff from range. Yeah. It's not just close combat but it's, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, it's on a 5 plus activate. Yeah. So, it... this is also from the previous design of the Dread Prince, I think. He had something like this yeah. built in. Yeah, so I actually I stole this one from the 7th edition Dread Elves book. Oh, okay. Because I was, like, doing a little bit of research, going back into the old uh, stuff. And... Watch out for the lawyers. Ah, uh, they can come at me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like I like I, th- I think I think it's like a, a very dread elfy idea, mm. and um, having an extra Aegis item because I think when you when you will start building your characters, you'll find that you probably want to take like one thing here or one thing there, and you have like extra points in magic items where, okay, for fifteen more points. Compared to like a talisman of shielding, you can actually fit in like this uh, Morthy's mirror thing. Mm. I've got a, a fluff question based Go on for this. It. Um, see Moithier. Yeah. Which I'm presuming I'm saying it right because it's Celtic. Um, is she the Phantom Queen? Is that, the same that is correct. Yes. Can we not change the I, Phantom Queen's name then to Moithier for the H? Like Moithier's question. Um, ask. ask Ask Ed. <laughs> it sounds a lot better than the Phantom Queen. I meant to say that with the predatory. Phantom Queen's curse sounds like a baby. Yeah. Thing, like. Yeah. If we weren't in lockdown, I'd go and Chappie's door. But for me, this item, I wouldn't pay fifteen points for potentially rolling a five up and then potentially wounding you. I'd, I'd, I would just rather say fifteen points. Yeah, if I had like six hit points, I'd be like, all right, I'll take my chance on it because I'm going to go grind on it or something. But like, if you it's can, an elf with three a, hit points, five, a five hit point manticore. Uh, yeah, that, that, that was what going. I was thinking. Like, yeah. I, I would, for me, this would be on like a flying character. Yeah, I, th- I think yeah. Like, the, there's there's some synergies with this. Obviously, it only work only activates in a five plus. But if you take a manticore with this, then you can occultism the manticore plus one ages. Mm. Yeah, so, so it becomes yeah. more durable. I, I think well, I think you'll find you find as you start triggers. to build you start to build your your characters that this fits in fairly well. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't think it's bad, and I think again it's the same as the H spell where it has that trade off of like it's not OP because you're risking like expensive elf things, but. I just don't know if it's worth risking those expensive elf characters for this. Yeah, this this one's just, it's not not an item I in general I would buy. Um, I kind of like running characters cheap anyway, and especially one that's got like you've got the condition of making the save, then you've got the condition of making the wound. Yeah, I see what you mean. It's it's not it's just not something I would take as in any army. Never mind, like. (laughs) (laughs) So. So if we let's move on to the next one then, which is the uh, the mask of the war crow. For fifty points, you gain fear, and uh, also uh, any unit, a friendly unit within six of the bearer that also has fear, uh, gains uh, reroll ones to wound in close combat. It's also one of my designs. Yeah. So so to me, I think this one uh, go like this and the next item. I kind of thought instantly that this seems more because you're buffing your own units. It seems more like Death Starry. Because you are gonna like add stuff together that gives all these buffs to but, one. Like thing. six inches is like a fairly big bubble. Like you can get like mm. three units in that kind of bubble. Yeah, that's true. And so it also works. Do they have fear though? 
well, well, later on they will. Yeah. Some units do have fear, okay. and, and there's a way of giving your all your units fear. Yeah, that's true. As you will see, and yeah. as we get later, so we can say it now. Like there's the the new altar. One of the options that you can choose gives all units within a bubble fear. Yeah. So this was in, an intentional synergy with the altar when I designed yeah. or like added to the design. Like, okay, let's add this item and let's make the altar have a bubble that causes fear. Mm. So it kind of re rolls that one to wound, which is like harking back to the old dread elves, which is like yeah. a legacy thing, yeah. but also like a quite a nice a nice buff. And obviously we're talking about dread elves, mm. so we, we spread dread. Yeah, we're dread. <laughs> it's like scary and shit. <laughs> so uh, having having like a lot of units that cause fear, it kind of makes sense in, yeah. in the army. And, yeah. and this is just one one thing that works. So by that by that logic, do the high elves smoke tons of weed? Yeah, dude. They, <laughs> they actually smoke uh, tons of Camilla, They're which angry. is which is like a special uh, plant. Okay, it sounds like chamomile tea. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah, calm down. Like, long bottom leaf. It's how they ignore pain with the H spell as well. Uh, so, so I, 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 I. Sorry. I really like this item. Uh, I know I've I've just feel conscious when you say this because I've just slaughtered Tenny's previous item. <laughs> <laughs> I really like this, and I think it's amazing in MSU armies with uh, the plus one to wound and the the effigy will come on it later. Yeah, I think it's great for MSU. I think you you okay. probably take this. Yeah, I think I, fair I, play I, to whatever Games Workshop book you robbed this one from. <laughs> 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 so, so what I was thinking is that the next the next item is called the Ring of Online Legion, which is is a nice throwback to the fact that we're playing my Age, which uh, has uh, is called cost for by forty points, and you can take it on Legion Legate only, which is the BSP type character. Um, no, no, no. He's he's the he's like the academy type character. Sure, but but okay. So he's one of the guys who can take PSP, but he also is yeah. the guy with like the leadership. Um, yeah, he's he's yeah. like yeah. the he's like the leader of the legion. Okay, like, but he only he's the has legion like legate, so three attacks. Or yeah, he's like a he's he's like a medium combat character, yeah. but he but from a background perspective, he's like the guy that leads the legions. Oh, okay. So he's like one of like the academy guys that's yeah. like in charge of the legions, like a. Like a military kind of tribune part yeah. of the republic, a, le- oh, okay. a legionnaire. Maybe. Yeah. So, uh, so this item means that if you have academy trainer and you're in the barracks units, you gain battle focus in the first round of combat. Yeah. So yeah. when I read this and the one before, I was starting to thinking like these all these bonuses that you can kind of stack into one thing with having uh, like with these characters with items. It's only you have a super unit. Yeah. And that was what I saw. Like on the first take. That's basically what it does. Yeah. So, so you, you can. There's a few ways of using this. You can use it for the judicators, which is of obvious choice because they have hatred. Yeah. Or you can so, you can for, put him in you know, a unit of. For our old players, what is a judicator? Like, do you mean a dread judge? Yeah. So the <laughs> so the dread judges are now called judicators. Oh, okay. That's because okay. We're, I'm so happy that I I came up with that name and it's like now. <laughs> It didn't steal that from. It said it stole that from AOS. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> I I just want to go back to remember at the start when he was asking the questions about like oh so like which bits do you design and you know how does the teamwork? You said everything's teamwork, and Aye. since we started going through the book, it's like 
I designed this, I designed that. This one's also me. Oh yeah, that name changed. It's really good. That's me too. Like, you know? so, like, okay, the, for, for the rest of the magic items, everything, everything is not me apart from the Academy banner. <laughs> but like, you, you, you can come up with the items and then they get kind of bounced around and, yeah. and changed a little bit. And I know, I know I'm only joking, but... When, when this ring came in, it obviously came in later on in playtesting. This I one wasn't this, one of mine. Uh, I tried this like battle focus item. It was there at the start and then it went and it came back. I played it quite a lot and I played it with judges and with the, like a big core spear block. And I would say on judges, this is really good. On the spear block, I don't think it's, it's worth it at all. Yeah, I, I agree. I think if you're going to use this, it's probably going to be on the on the adjudicators rather than the spears. But it, yeah, it, I think I, it's just a way of adding a little bit to them. But it's yeah, quite cheap I, still. I tried it fighting in four ranks, spears, blah, blah, blah. It's it, it's really underwhelming. But on the, yeah. the, the judges or adjudicators. Spears was my first thought as well, but it actually is just making something average, like slightly above average, which yeah. is pointless yeah. at the end of the day. And you still have you're relying on the, the div spell to get the reroll and obviously that's the first stop spell and yeah it's a, it's a lot better on the, the judges yeah yeah i think i think you as you say you're synergizing this with the divination magic if you're going to use it on anything but the judges yeah yeah, yeah and it's so now and then, too many conditions like. yeah and then there's, that's the, the must stop spell isn't it and then the, the next round well, you don't get the spell off in that exact round, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm. I'm just realised the Beastmaster's whistle gone down to thirty points. Yeah, that makes geez. me so wet. It's so it makes wet. me so wet. <laughs> I'm just after realising his whip turned into a whistle. When did that happen? <laughs> <It's> so, <laughs> it's yeah, that game, so. Oh, that. Ah! Yeah. So moving on to that one, then uh, the Beastmaster's whistles is for a Beastmaster only, surprisingly, and it's thirty points, and it's a one-use only item, which means that every uh, beast unit within 12 gains another instance of maximized roll until the end of the charge phase. So basically, I mean, everything that's a beast is already Swift Strike, right? Yep, so basically correct. you're going to roll four 46, dice yeah. and uh, take the two eyes. So you just need to be sat on your hill, Casimir. Yeah. Then you're going to get this item. Yeah. And, and then you're, you're going to get to roll four dice and yeah. average charge range is 10 or higher. Yeah. And you're going to re-roll <laughs> and you're like, okay, so I'm going to place my unit 12 inches away, like a 12 charge from you. And you're like, yeah, sure, okay, cool. I'm gonna blow my whistle, and it's like, okay, what's my chances? Well, it's like seventy-five percent. <laughs> I've just realised by like where this is in the list, it's obviously thirty, and then you go back to forty and thirty-five points. You can tell how much the Beastmaster's whistle was like during playtesting. It's like in the middle of all the forty points items. Yeah, it was the forty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And why, why is it a whistle though? Yeah, why is it a whistle? Whistle's pretty shit. Are you like training a dog? It sounds like a PE teacher or something. Trombone. I don't know. Background background team named it. We'll we'll I mean, take it. I guess it makes sense because like, he's affecting everything in an aura. It's not like one unit. Yeah. If it's one unit, a whip would make sense, but it's all the beasts. So they, like maybe it's like one of those dog whistles, right? Which you know Norby can't hear, but uh, like some animals can, right? Good good yeah. analogy, Casper. I very, should be on good. the background team. <laughs> yeah, Cass, that's what I'm saying. You're like training a dog, like <laughs> you're dragging, not a dog. The dragon is definitely not a dog. Well, but we will get to that. It's a long, snaky dog. We will get to that. So I can't the, 
So what, what do what do you guys think about this? Have you used it in playtesting? Yeah, um, I ran the hydras a lot, and this is fun. But now that it's a whistle, I'm put off because I don't like the idea of him putting out like some little like plastic toy that he's gotten like in a pub somewhere. It's, it's more like an like, ocarina than yeah. a whistle. No, <laughs> I, I'm imagining like you know the little ones with the ball in the middle of them that like rattles and it's really annoying. And he's like, he's just gotten it with beads on it, like Mardi Gras or something. He's just going around blowing this thing like. <laughs> That's what I'm picturing, so I will not use it anymore. Think, think of it like world. a recorder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's like the Pied Piper, just leading around all these monsters. Exactly, exactly. So, so what you're saying is that this should be a Vermisworm item? Yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah. I shouldn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> I think <laughs> If Emma book's going to be so broken anyway, it doesn't matter. They don't need this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so 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 this is like a meat. Would you say a middle of the range item? Yeah, it's good. I mean, like if you're taking the Beastmaster and he's mounted on something, it makes sense to like do the monster mash kind of thing, get value out of this. Or there will be a few Beastmasters on Dragon when yeah, guys play me. I'm just going. Yeah, and so, the. Whatever the old gorgons or beasts as well, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, they're beasts and the I mean, herd thingy, isn't it? Yeah, we'll we'll get to that. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, there's, there's a, there's a this, this also synergizes well with the new dragon rules. Okay. Yeah. So so I mean, there's also a unit of beasts in the army. So there's quite yeah. a few beasts. Happies. Yeah. So so next up we have a wizards only item, which is forty point called. Cainrans? How do you pronounce it? Uh, Sinrans. Sinrans, okay, so it's a soft C. Sinrans Gambit. Uh, and this is basically a bound spell for 4 8 for wheels turn. Wheel, the wheel turns. Yeah. Uh, which, I first I thought it was, was really good, but then if you can only take it on a wizard, you can't really take like a sh really shitty wizard in this uh, army. You can only really take masters or uh, adders. So I think with the magic item allowance for the wizards in the army, like yeah. both. Wizards in the army, there's a, you have a, like a lot of freedom with your magic items choice because you don't necessarily need like a casting item or something. So, okay. so I think this gives you a lot of options. So this like adding another spell, yeah. basically. Yeah, and and the wheel turns itself. Like, let's just say hypothetically, like all the army gets plus one to hit and plus one to wound. Yeah, hypothetically. <laughs> so <laughs> let's say this hypothetical sphinx combat happens. And where normally, <laughs> where, where normally you would be hit like hitting on a two two plus and wounding on a five plus, yeah. now you're hitting on a three plus, wounding on a three plus. So basically, this whole army is just to kill sphinxes. Like, yeah, exactly, it's like what yeah. what do you have against you? You killed all my sphinxes already. Like, what do you have against them? <laughs> <laughs> but just, just I, as an example, right? So yeah. so it's it's a useful spell in the right in the right in the right time and place. Yeah. Uh, like James Estes. This is obviously like a post like playtesting edition. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember this. But I don't no. think it's that good because well personally I'd either if I have an adept I'm gonna take a book of arcane mastery oh, if I can. Oh, yeah, and if I have the warlock master guy, you do not want to be casting down spells, you wanna be casting oh, real no, spells. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree. I don't think this yeah. item is that no. that useful. No. Totally yeah, like, disagree with you. Um if you put this on your warlock, a bound spell casts Counts as a spell, so this is effectively six ten. 
does? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Okay, well, that's yeah. suddenly oh, it's a lot more. Wait, wait, wait. Go. Oh, let's, let's, let's check this now. The cast yeah. values all spells cast, yeah, so yeah. it's not yeah. non-bound spells. Yeah. That is interesting. That's true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So let's, okay, let's, so let's then, just yeah. save this. Let's, let's save this for later when we get yeah, to that. Yeah, okay. right. I, I take back what I'm saying. <laughs> I was straight in the rule book, straight away checking it. That's a 16 bound spell. That is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay, that, that, yeah, makes that's it, yeah, that makes it much free more dice to get a, Free dice to get a guaranteed 10 is super Ten. Yeah. And it activates the attribute, doesn't it? So you yeah, get it does. like yeah, it does. Okay, that's okay. Some, for two yeah. dice, you get plus one move and everything. That's pretty yeah, cool. That's really good. I, I think this is a really nice way of getting on a witchcraft well if you're yeah. choosing cosmology or something else. Yeah, because you... Yeah. I think I quite like this because I've I've been playing a witchcraft. I've, I've not played anything apart from a witchcraft. Same. No look. This kind of opens up the possibility for Cosmo even though I don't really like Cosmo this is one item that would take me towards it yeah I agree so uh, so next up we have uh, Ring of the Obsidian Thrones uh, this is 35 points and uh, basically it's going to give enemy units a base contact with Varr minus one offensive and defensive skill for every special item or runic item or manifestation that a character has in that unit. Up to maximum minus three. Yeah. So, so I, first of all, just to clarify, if you have a dwarf dude, this means that like every actual item. So if he has like a runic axe yeah. with like three, fourteen different enchantments, yeah. <laughs> he only gets minus one, right? No, he gets minus three. Is no, that in- for every because- single? No, it says runic special item. It doesn't yeah, say runic. So- yeah, well, minus one three. for every runic item. Yeah, but the runic item can have three runic enchantments on it. Oh, yeah, true. true. So it's still yeah, one yeah. item, right? Yeah, so if you have a weapon and an armor, it's oh, yeah. minus two. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah then, then that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, it's like the, the standard dwarf rules of three equals one, basically. Yeah, yeah, okay. So again, I think this is like another one to. I mean, like, it's, it's cool that you can really combat. Death stars, I guess, in the, with this item. Yeah, I, I, from a background point of view, um, obviously with the Highborn Elves, we we know the Ring of the Pearl Throne. Yeah. So this is the Ring of the Obsidian Thrones. So with the Dread Elves, there's, there's, more than one. there's three Obsidian Thrones Ooh. and three three people who are like um, in the like the high seats of the Republic. And um, so this is kind of also an analogy, like with the Highborn Elf item, it's like every magic item is annulled and this one is like every magic item you get minus one offensive oh, yeah. defensive skill so it's kind of yeah it doesn't cancel but it makes you it's similar yeah. it's trying to be similar but doing something different yeah and there's there's actually quite a lot of nice builds with this okay. especially with the drag prince for example or the legion legate like it, it's quite it's quite interesting item yeah. um i think i think it's it's limited because you get plus one to hit anyway so you really want to be using this to move your three plus to a two plus. Yeah. It also combos with witchcraft. It combos with divination because of the the offensive defensive skills spells. Yeah. So there's a lot of synergies with this item especially, and it's quite cheap, so it can fit in your list in a lot of places. Yeah. I kind of look at this this a wee bit differently from you. Um, I look at this from if you've got the the frostbite blade. Yeah. Um, your prince only has defensive skill six. So you can then pull somebody back to hitting you on fours. You're effectively gaining distraction. Yeah. And the other way I look at it is I would take this item in a team's thing if I was expecting to 
play against like a unit or an army where the character sits in a unit like VC dwarves ID or something like that, and they're in their their kind of core units are hitting you, or even some of the special units are hitting you on fives if you're obsidian guard because they're minus three. Your defensive skill six. Yeah, and I would look at this as almost like a a negative to hit modifier because you've already got high offensive skill and. Light, lightning reflexes. So, so you, you see it more as like a defensive thing. Yeah, I, that's how I look at it. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I mean, I mean that kind of shows to, that there's a lot of different uses for it. Yeah, I, I think maybe this is maybe the dwarf mindset, isn't it? Like I'm looking for the defensive shit. Yeah. But I think with the plus one to wound and already high offensive defensive skill, that's that's the way I look at it personally, okay. and that way I think it. It looks cheap, but I think it is quite situational because you need the character to be in a unit and how many units these days have characters in them, but they're all running about on mounts. <laughs> yeah, but but I, th- I think the, the Dreadolves book is really trying to push you in the way of having characters in units, and this is something that could yeah. make a difference there. Yeah, but uh, sorry, what I mean is you need your opponent to have their character in the unit. Yeah, true. But there's also like banner enchantments and things like that that can can make a difference in these cases. Yeah, yeah. What have you guys used this in playtesting before? Um, I used the twice, I think, and it made no difference either time. And I, in in my meta, this doesn't really make a difference. So, yeah, I, yeah, I I think really you're taking it on like a dualist character, to be honest. And yeah, I I never played the Jade Prince in playtesting. If I played the Jade Prince, I would put this on with Crippen Frost. Yeah, especially yeah. if he's on foot to keep other things away more. I think it's more of a deterrent. It, it, it also fits nicely with Crippen oh, Frost and Destiny's Call, just just to say that. Mm. But the thing I would... I think it's good, but like again, it's a meta thing. But I think if the meta changes over the next few months, which hopefully it will away from the whole, like everything's either a chariot or a monster or fucking... Like a single model that can run around wherever it wants, like, and we go back to units, then this gets really good. Yeah. So um, next up is the banner enchantments. Do you guys want to just take it through? Uh, sure. Um, so get Executioner's Icon. Um, it's basically the old banner of Guard Dacos. It gives you plus one to wind all the time. Yeah, so it's just um, like improving your your ruthless efficiency to artistry of death. So, I think this this is like um like like just a way of kind of making your units more grindy than than more like a first round burst damage. Yeah, I like that you can put this on core units. A lot of these kind of banners are like, oh, we can't have it on core because it's too fun. Like, but if you wanted to try and run that big spear block, <laughs> you could put this here. Yeah. yeah. I, I- I feel like this item, apart from encore units, is a trap because yeah. all your special units are like 18, 20, 20 max 24, race 3, 5 up guys. You're not wanting to go like 2-3 rounds of combat with these guys. Yeah, you win or you're kind of fucked. So. You, you, can, you can maybe put it on a unit of Dread Knights without a Lance or a Great Weapon. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, um, maybe. I just feel this item's a bit of a trap. You would maybe put it on core spears if you take a big block with the battle focus item. Yeah, or, or the temple militants. 
I mean, it seems like yeah, a the, Death Star you know. looking thing then. I guess. Yeah, I just yeah. you need to have the bodies to make this count, which for me means you only take this one for. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I my my personal playstyle, I'm probably not going to use this item, but I, I can see its use. I think yeah. as well, though, it's a nice throwback to the slim book where everyone used to run the big spear star. So like now you can still do that if you want to. Yeah. Well, yeah, this was the power guard, now sitting guard item, where you put it on him. You took a big unit that was bodyguard. And just ground away. Yeah, and you had the death, well, you didn't have the desk presence, but you had some in there. Yeah. That'd be it or whatever. Okay, so then we have uh, another banner. At this point, you can take a core. This one's actually one of mine, I must say. <laughs> so uh, and this is one of the not fun ones. That <laughs> <laughs> so it's called Eye of the Gorgon, and it costs 50 points. So the bearer of this banner gets Pet Frank's Stare, uh, and uh, enemy units in base contact must re-roll successful discipline tests. So maybe I think we we probably just need to cover what petrifying yeah, so, stare does. Yeah, so petrifying stare, the basically um, wh whoever's in base contact with the model that has petrifying stare. In yeah. this case, it's the banner bearer. So it'd be two or three models usually, yeah. depending on base size. Well, no, no, no. Um, there's only for each each model, each enemy unit. Ah. So gets two hits, um, an AP yeah. ten. But the, the the size of the unit basically the height, the of, height the of the unit depends on what the hit wounds on. So on a standard height, four plus, large five plus, gigantic six plus. Okay. So in in essence, it's like a toxic hit. Yeah. Uh, or two toxic hits. We, if, if, if I'm honest, like the the hits are like not really the big thing yeah, in this banner. It's more the reroll the splinter. So this kind of synergizes with a lot of the fear mechanics. Yeah. That you have with, let's say, like the the more the is it Morix mask, mask of the Warcrow, or the uh, effigy of dread, which we'll come to. Yeah. So um, I think that's more the the synergy there, and for fifty points, maybe it's expensive, and it's obviously matchup dependent. And the petrifying stare is like an added bonus. What what happens when this uh, comes in contact with uh, BSP reroll? Okay, so this is a really good question. So if you if you fail your discipline test, yeah, then you get to re-roll it. Let's say you pass it, yeah, you don't get to re you you don't get to re-roll again. So yeah, okay. Yeah. So like you can't re-roll a re-roll. No, you can't re-roll a re-roll. So if you fail it the first time, you can't re-roll. You can you can't re-roll a re-roll. You can re-roll it, but if if you fail a second time, you can't re-roll okay. it. So but this this means that if this and the BSP is active at the same time, yeah. You always re-roll the first result, basically. Yeah. Okay, it's, so it's, yeah. so you yeah. have one point that doesn't matter, yeah. and then you're like, ooh! Yeah. <laughs> then you yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think the 50 points is okay for this, though, because you have this, you have the things that like mess with disrupt and steadfast, you have the fear, there's a lot of combos that you can like pile up on a unit, break down their ranks, your small units count as more ranks, they can't re-roll their tests, and now you're like, right, you're breaking. I'm gonna mop up everything. Yeah. For me, I went like I was right into the the fear theme when this book was released. I thought it was really cool, really thematic for Jade Elves, and built my list around it. And obviously, this was part of it. And for me, it's just it's just too situational. There's too many things. Well, especially in my meta, I was playing against um, 
Warriors of Dark Gods, Orcs, Vermin's Farm, FEC. None of these guys are taking fear tests. They don't care. And then it only really matters on your first roll on a break test at that point. And at that point, I'm, I've dropped it because that's not worth 50 points. I, 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 I think it's a little expensive, to be honest. You, you turn around and then you play against somebody that's playing like US and you are like some ar- army like that and you're going to be getting moans because oh, I'm feeling all my fear tests and oh, I'm losing my break tests. And I just think it's... It's a bit. It's either really good or or nothing. It, it's totally no impact, or quite a big impact. Right, so I, I I agree with you. I think I think the price point needs to be reduced a bit because because of what you say. Like it doesn't work against all armies. Yeah. Uh, in my meta, it doesn't work against any of the armies I regularly play against. <laughs> I mean, uh, maybe the maybe army, there's too too much fearless in the game though. It, like that's also it, it, a only. The only army this matters and that I kind of play against regularly is Saurians who have minimised role and don't really want to fight you and just flee all the time anyway. <laughs> uh, Pyroclato, uh, you're burning you. Colin is a great guy, right? Uh, <laughs> this is another bit to the H spell. You cast it on the Quato and then you just burn some skinks while he's burning your 20-point tower guard or whatever. It's, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I really like this item when I first read it and I quickly went off it. Yeah, so I mean, maybe like I, so I guess the question would be if this was like 40 points or 35 points, would you change your mind? Um, No, because it's got to go B, really. Um, I'm not going to put this on judges or tower guards. So I, I think, I think this is a better, better option, okay. to be honest. Yeah, I, I think I'd rather have something like, well, you can get an alchemy adept. If it's 35 points, just take the flame banner. I'm going to use the flame banner. Yeah, I sure. might not use it. Sure. Okay, so the next one is the academy banner. Yeah, so this Who is... Who designed a- this now? Because I want to call to their house. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, uh, this is 40 points, so you could have two uh, at maximum in the army, and it makes the rank of palmals in the uh, infantry moles in the unit academy trained. Yeah, so essentially this is, if you're going to use it, you're going to use it on the judges. The, the judicators? Judicators. Judicators. something. And you're going to use it on Temple Militants, because these are the two yeah. units that are not academy trained and that are infantry. Yeah. Maybe Corsairs, but probably not. Yeah. I've been using this on the Temple Militants, and it's delicious, but I was also <laughs> using it on the Dread Knights, and then they took it off them, because, ooh, infantry. So that's oh. why it was. It was. It was a bit too good. I, on the I think too. Yeah, it's only you advanced the eleven. Bonus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> advanced eleven's not that bad. It's fine. Seven plus one for set of blood. Plus one for banner speed. Plus one for this. Yeah. Yeah. Need, it it get was a little thing. bit too much. Yeah, yeah. Fraz, you had so much fun playing against that. Don't like. Crafting, you were getting it was often you were advanced twelve at some points. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> 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 it was so good. Nah, yeah. this is a really good banner. Yeah, well, I love this banner. I, th- I think I it just it that. just allows you to kind of play the army in more of a synergistic way. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it, this was twenty points at start of playtesting. Yeah, I would still take it at forty points. Yeah, yeah. yeah twenty points sounds insane. Like forty points. It, I, it I was twenty this. points and hundred nights. <laughs> <laughs> like I yeah. looked at this and I like oh. So, from a first class yeah. for 40 points, I'm like, this is worth it. Like, extra charges yeah. is... This yeah. 
I'm not taking any shit about play testing because this is twenty points and you could use it in Dread Knight. So yeah. like I would I would still hundred percent take this at forty points. Yeah. On, yeah. on on judges especially. Yeah. Uh, and and Temple Militant. The Temple guys with the stuff later with yeah, the same, with the other core I'm, units, it's so good. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a big fan of militants, so I, I haven't tried it that much, but I would definitely take it if I, I was but like any infantry block, you get an academy training on them, you get a witchcraft attribute. They're advanced seven, which is pretty yeah. good. Like, it's, it's yeah. not bad, not bad. It's really tasty. Yeah. They, they get really close real fast because they're good at killing. <laughs> so, <laughs> for, so then we move into actual units. That's I just, I just want to take a quick break because I really need to pee. Okay. So I'm just going to... Yeah, is gonna... anyone on is anyone on the spirits yet or is it too early? Uh, it's a little, I think we we have how much beers do we have left? Uh, I'll check five, six, right. something. So we we have a quick break and uh, we're gonna check the the booze. 